JNT, we had a crazy freaking weekend. Some awesome games, but let's be honest, the games weren't the most interesting thing that happened this weekend. LS suddenly gets booted on live broadcast, or at least they announce it on live broadcast. PSM is benching one of their players after four games, and they release a coach. I don't even know if we know which coach it is yet. And somehow FlyQuest is at the top of the standings, and EG is more towards the bottom of the standings. It is actually really interesting right now in the LCS, which is a, a good thing to have, but unfortunately, it might not be as interesting as it would have been had LS stuck around for the whole year. Uh, episode 74, guys, Clown Fiesta Podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, uh, let, let's just start with LS talk. We have to. This was messed up, to say the least. Yeah, it, it was pretty weird going into Saturday, last game of the day. It was Cloud9 versus CLG, and everyone was like, okay, there's the reason why CLG usually plays at the end of the day. It's because they're bad and their games are boring. However, uh, we kind of got, you know, the bombshell dropped on us, like, literally five minutes before Champion Select started, that LS was getting released from Cloud9 and that they're promoting Max Waldo to the head coaching spot. And basically, shit just completely hit the fan, both on Reddit, Twitter, Twitch chat, on the broadcast themselves, even... I don't remember who was casting the game. I want to say it was like freaking Kobe or was freaking somebody else maybe. Um, I don't remember who it was either. And I think Travis Gafford made this point that like the game was not the interesting thing at that point in time. Like people are like half watching the game and everyone's just looking on Twitter. Like someone give some clarification. You and I, well, and everyone that we were sitting in the discord with, we're all sitting there like, okay, when are they going to say, haha, JK, like good prank guys just waiting for that like we got you moment and it never came yeah it basically wasn't until like ls took to twitter himself and said oh like i only found out about my release four hours prior to the game starting which kind of made everyone realize like oh shit it's not a joke this is actually happening because i i did i thought it was a joke i was confused so many people thought it was i mean i said to you i was like guys guys this this is this is a joke like i'm just waiting for them to say ha ha so we can move on and, like, the broadcast, when, when they're announcing it, they are hella serious. So, like, you're going back and forth in your mind. Like, okay, are they serious? Or, like, is this, like, a really good prank? Because, of course, it's got to be Cloud9 to have something like this happen. The biggest meme, like, memer or memers, whatever you want to say. Like, this org memes more than any other org in the LCS. And so you think this is just, like, some really good meme. And it wasn't. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, we can touch on, like, the game just really quickly because everyone was pretty much concerned right off the bat. Um, and people had very strong opinions about like the whole draft, the cloud nine, the draft and approach they took in that game against CLG because everyone had pretty much been accustomed to crazy drafts, the weird picks when it comes to LS and his style of coaching and kind of what he's been preaching for the majority of his career. And then everyone like cloud nine played the super standard comp. They got absolutely smashed by CLG. And then everyone took to Twitter and read it once again, basically saying how Cloud9 is going to be doomed because they don't know how to play standard and they practiced, you know, all these weird picks so much and now they're completely abandoning them and, you know, they're basically now, like, months and months have been wasted. And, um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of opinions on social media that night. Okay, so I don't, I don't want to get into the game stuff just yet because I, there's just so much else to talk about. So, like, yes, the game was a was a disaster, but you could easily be like, well, a lot of the players might be distracted because, hey, their coach just got let go that day. Some of them maybe not even knowing up until, like, the game. I, I don't even know. But th- there's just so much to attach to this. There's a bunch of people that are pissed off at Jack. Let, let's start with that, actually. Um, do you think the... Um, 
the backlash that Cloud9 is getting for this is just or unjust? Um, well, it's pretty much un well Yeah, it's it's unjust until they come out with their reasons for it. Because it's pretty hard to really comment on whether or not his firing or release was uh rightful or you know, like like we need to find out if the math adds up here. Like Right. A lot of people on Cloud9, um, both Fudge and Max Waldo and even Travis and Mark, I think, said on Hotline League, like we're gonna get some answers pretty soon here with the reasons why. So once we figure out those reasons, we can then be able to correctly judge what is actually going on in the situation. Like I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but I think fans and you know, people who are fans of LS should know that his coaching and his coaching style is very unorthodox in terms of what he likes to do with you know players, play styles, champions, even practice within a team. Like mm -hmm. LS is somebody who's very vocal about like doing one v ones, doing internal scrims rather than scrimming other teams. So like I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but you know maybe the Cloud Nine roster and even the Cloud Nine higher ups, I guess probably just mainly be Jack or whoever is the GM of the team. I don't even know who the GM of Cloud Nine is at the moment. But maybe they, they took issue to the way that LS was just running the team in general. Whether that's the way that they practice, the way that the... You know, obviously, the results on stage don't... You know, th that doesn't necessarily add up because Cloud9 had been doing quite well. They were 3-1. and one. Their only loss was TL. I think that's a very reasonable team to lose to. Um, so, we're going to get answers soon, we've been told. Um, and then we kind of have to go from there. But as of right now, like, I don't want to throw too much shade on either, you know, C9 or LS until we kind of know what's going on. And I think that's exactly it. Because even in the live chat, when I asked that question, most people are like, well, it's not really fair until we know exactly what happened. And I think that is the obvious, like, reasonable take. But I think when this news drops and people aren't really thinking about re being reasonable, people are just really, like... Uh, tweaked out over the information that people just insta take to twitter and instantly go right after jack to be like why aren't you explaining any of this there could be a very good reason why he can't explain it just yet there might not be who knows so i think obviously the backlash for c9 isn't fair until we find out what the hell went on went, went down now my initial reaction was he must have done something and because you heard from Fudge saying, like, he's not really surprised that he was let go. And, like, I kind of saw it coming. So he must have done, some, done something. But then you're hearing from some people, like, you're seeing, I saw uh, a Tyler 1 clip that's like, yeah, from what I heard, like, he probably should have just got a warning or something like that. And you're, you're hearing from some people, like, it wasn't that bad. And it's like, well, what the hell is this, man? Like, I just want to know, like, so bad. I can't even tell you how bad I want to know. Um, but anyways, yeah, really, really interesting situation. Yeah, I, I, like, again, I said this before, I don't want to go, go too far down the rabbit hole, but when you hear things like, oh, we saw this coming, or oh, like, it was kind of a, it was kind of a predictable thing to happen based on what was happening within Cloud9, that makes me think that it is something more towards an a clashing of opinions, whether it comes to the team, the roster, the play style, the coaching mechanisms and everything like that, rather than one specific moment where things might have gone wrong or there was an argument or like, dude, like, I don't know. The meme was like, maybe LS killed somebody or something. Or the other meme was like, there was that Reddit post that popped up on like that morning where it was like the guy who just like some guy, like 
did an op.gg review on ls's stream and ls said he's never going to hit masters and then the guy said he was challenger so like there was a meme about that yeah but I saw that. just like, just from, from everything that, from everything that we've heard so far i think it was probably to do with something um you know team and coaching style related um but a like again who the hell knows until we yeah, actually and know to be and let's put the disclaimer out there. I, I know this is going to be obvious to, to people, I know, but we don't know, and it's all speculation. It's just something that we have to say before any rumors start. It only takes one person to spread a rumor, so th let's put that out there. The other thing is, let's talk about where does Cloud9 go from here, because I, I think you could definitely argue this might be the worst thing that happens to the LCS this year, um, and that's including Worlds, because, I mean, if... if if uh, the LCS just bombs out at Worlds, it's like, well, that kind of happens every year or most years. It's like, kind of like, what else is new? But this was like, what was the most exciting team to watch draft? It was Cloud9. Does that change? Probably a little bit, at least a little bit, I would say. Um, who was the most exciting team to watch on the Rift was also Cloud9. Does that change? Yeah, probably a little bit, at least. And who was the person with the most uh, to gain or lose? It was LS. Like, this was a guy that was set up streaming. He didn't have to go to a coach. He always has, like, a lot of, like, really hard opinions on, on what he thinks. And that was being put to the test. And we just got a little bit of a tiny taste. And that's gone now. And, like, the, he gave up streaming to go do this. It was such a big gamble for his career in my eyes. And we're never going to find out if that gamble paid off or not. And I know some people are already saying that after four games, like, it was proven that it could work. And to me, I'm not so sure. Four games is nothing. Like, I, I don't really think that, that that tells us much of anything whatsoever. And so I think this is just a huge buzzkill. And I think that, I yeah, again, I don't think there's anything else that will happen worse in the LCS this year. Knock on wood, of course. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about all, like, the hype coming into the season of LCS, like, LS is a very known uh, and polarizing figure whose opinions and stances and views on the game Either you're completely with him or you're completely against him. And th th those kinds of thoughts and ideas really bring in a lot of outside attention from people who might ne not necessarily watch the LCS because they either have these very strong opinions of LS and are very positive you know, thoughts and views on his ideas. And then there's the complete opposite end of the spectrum where there's a bunch of people who think he's a dumbass and think his ideas are stupid and think this is a guy who, who shouldn't have this kind of a platform he's like oh my god this guy's yeah. preaching all this stuff all the time like oh renekton omega lol renekton's been meta for like two years and something like that <laughs> and those those people were going to be drawn to the lcs and most likely you know you're going to lose hold of all those people and we didn't as you kind of mentioned like we didn't get answers like we didn't really get that um gratification or satisfaction of oh yes ls did really well or oh yes he crashed and burned and like yeah, it's the it, worst that we got a taste. The fact that it was teased because for so long with L LS having like these really controversial opinions, so many people always wondered if LS were to coach, like what would it look like? Even last, was it last? Yeah, it was last year where he almost ended up coaching T1, right? And it was like, that would, that would have been hype as well. And now it's like, we finally got him to coach for just a little bit. And well, that just went kaput. Okay, I, I, I want to, again though, let's, let's go back to the question of where does C9 go from here? Do you think we continue to see some of these crazy drafts um i think so i think we'll see it like you know every once in a while i i, I don't want to say i know this but i mean like we did in the in fudge's interview that i did with travis he did kind of say like the thoughts and ideas that ls brought to the table when it came to the draft and it came to these sort of enchanter mid picks like that was something that still resonated with him and with the rest of the players on the team so do I think that they're probably going to, like, we are going to see some more Enchanters met at some point, or are we going to see some pretty wacky play styles? Yeah. 
we'll probably see it again. But do I think we're going to see it every single week? No, I don't. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think we're just going to see it far less. That's that's yeah. my issue with it. Instead of we get it maybe one every other game, like we get it once every other game, we get it like once every four or five games, or like it's kind of a strategy that you can pull out in a best of series. Should your back be against the wall, you're down two zero, you're down two one, or like you need to sort of throw your opponents off in a sort of game five situation, like. That's where I feel like we're going to sort of see these picks or these strats come out, maybe. Yeah, and the next thing that I want to point out is, like, I wonder how happy or unhappy the Korean players are specifically, because I feel like they were pretty happy having a head coach that can speak Korean. Like, that's a pretty important thing, communication. Like, yes, I'm sure they still have translators and whatnot, but the head coach being able to speak both languages was a big plus for this team. And I don't think that all of these players necessarily come over to Cloud9 if, if, if he's not the head coach, so... What do you think of that? Do you think the players are a little bit PO'd about this? Yeah, I don't know. I think the biggest question for me is this is a team and a roster that was built around these LS ideologies. Like the whole reason why the fudge swap uh, to mid happened was because presumably behind closed doors, LS and fudge knew these sort of things were going to happen, knew what LS wanted to play, how he wanted fudge to play and fudge, you know, you know, him and Cloud9 felt like that this was going to be a good move for them. And also, in turn, picking up Summit, who's a player that LS has spoken really highly of over the last two years. And then, obviously, picking up Berserker from T1 Academy and Winsome, who was an, an L another LCK Academy player. Um, and for me, the biggest thing that I'm thinking of is, like, are there going to be roster changes now? Like, are we going to see Sven potentially come back into the mix, especially after Berserker didn't have, you know, that great of a showing this weekend, specifically on that card the spot? Or, right. you know, if Cloud9 as a whole is going to sort of rethink this whole roster and approach, should they perform poorly in spring as a result of this move? And in theory, the answer would be no, just because obviously, like, Max Waldo was an LS guy and, like, even Fudge is still on the team. Like, there's still some LS pieces, if you will, on this roster, despite LS himself not being there. So my guess is, like, I don't think you're going to see the swap. The other thing, too, is, like, Berserker's playing Karthus, it's like, you. everyone can have a really bad game, especially if you're playing, like, a non-traditional AD. I don't think anybody is going to be like, wow, this guy needs to be benched, you know what I mean? Like, because he popped off on Aphelios just last week. Like, let's not forget. Like, he actually has looked pretty good so far, and everyone's going to have a, a run-it-down game every now and then. Um, what was the last thing I wanted to ask you? Oh, yes. As, as, our, 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 um, as our C9 guy, I want to know how the outlook of the season is for you. Are you like, oh shit, this shit might go down? Or do you think like they're going to be just as good? What, what are you thinking after these moves? How, do, how has your outlook changed for C9 this year? Um, well, I think, you know, even going into the season, knowing what the roster was going to be and knowing what, you know, LS being the coach, like with the knowledge of that going into the season, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting Cloud9 to be first or second for that matter. Like I thought both Team Liquid and 100 Thieves were going to be better teams than Cloud9. Probably by the end of spring, I think it was going to be a real possibility that Cloud9 out of the gates was probably going to be one of the better teams due to them having strong individual players and them being able to play these sort of off-meta comps that people aren't going to be practiced against early on in the season. And I kind of knew all along it was going to be way more telling what the team was going to look like the later the season went on and when the best of series came into play. However, now, I think, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I think the whole league is a little bit weaker than what I thought it was going to be. Like we're kind of seeing teams like dig and we're seeing like teams like EG struggle. And, you know, you know, we really only have TL and 100 thieves and now sort of FlyQuest have kind of put their mark on the league saying, Oh wait, these are all really good teams. And 
I mean, I think even post LS, Cloud9 is probably still a top three, top four team. You just reminded me of the prediction. So stop me if I'm getting this wrong, but did he not predict they would win spring and summer and that if they didn't go, go to semis, it would be a failure at Worlds? Is that, is that Am I getting that right? I don't remember about winning spring and summer, but I remember about the maybe making semis at Worlds. Maybe somebody in the live chat or in the comment section on YouTube I can said help that, me out with that. I said that TL was going to win, win spring and summer. I don't know if that's what you're thinking. Of, but... <laughs> no, I'm talking about I'm talking about LS saying that. Okay, so yeah, someone in the live chat, thank you, uh, Moyo, helping me out, saying yes, that is what he said. Um, yeah, so that that's the other the biggest I don't know blue ball of all of this is like that's what was on the line, like a huge prediction, like this is if we don't get this, it's a failure, and that's just another add that onto the list of things of why this just sucks so much uh yeah just absolute trash um before we move on from cloud nine let's talk a little bit let, now let's get back into the stuff that we saw specifically this weekend you mentioned the clg game was an absolute disaster did you have any other thoughts on that game specifically or did you want me to go well i don't know i thought it was really i mean okay, i'm supposed to say this um after the game you know like i said people quickly took to social media to, to just really talk about how like oh my god like ls has gone from c9 all these problems are now going to start cropping up and this team is going to like this team is going to drop in the standings hardcore um but max waldo in like the, his post game sort of interview that he did with travis was like this game you know it was kind of like a problem that we've been seeing throughout uh you know uh what am i trying to say here Bot lane has been a problem for Cloud9. Bot lane has been a, a very yeah. obvious problem for Cloud9 throughout the majority of the season. this weekend too, right? Yeah. Like but, this weekend was the worst of it, I think. And, but even before this weekend happened, we'd seen a pretty constant issue with Cloud9 out of, you know, their bot lane getting dove, like level three, mm -hmm. level four. It ha it's happened almost every single game now that Cloud9 has played where the opposing team has stacked a wave level three to four, gotten mid-end jungle to come down and 4v2 dive bot, and pretty much Cloud9 is dying to it every single time. And whether yeah. that's a problem with communication, you know, Blabber being able to come cover... Um, not warding river and uh, you know your own jungle out correctly to predict these dives coming not your wave management whatever and max waldo kind of just straight up said like these are problems that we've already known and are trying to fix and you know it's not like ls being released moments before the game was the reason why we lost this game so i agree yeah you kind of saw the, the same of that in the tsm game where the same thing happened i mean they got dove on a stacked wave level three they did it again level five and then level six so <laughs> yeah I mean, Cloud9 obviously has some issues in the bot lane. Um, whether I don't know exactly, you know, they have they know what it is, but whether it's you know your vision control and your bot side river, your wave management early on, um, jungle, my lights are flashing. Um, yeah, I don't know. They have problems in the bot lane, and they were very apparent this week. The the only thing that I'll add is like you know it's not a good sign when Blabber is falling behind contracts in the jungle. That was something, and like of course when your bot lane is getting absolutely smashed, like there could be a reason for that. Like there, it's not as simple as oh contracts has higher CS must be playing better lol. But still though, it is still it still does say something when Blabber's falling behind uh, contracts. And the other thing too is that in that game. Um, Summit is like the only thing that you have going for you. He's getting a lead against Jenkins in the top lane, and he ends up getting picked off a fair bit in the in the side lanes, which I've been pretty critical of LCS players for. I talked about that a fair bit. However, in that game specifically, I don't mind because I think you are so far behind and you need to take risks of trying to apply pressure in the only place that you have or you have the ability to apply the pressure. And so I wasn't too upset with Summit getting picked off in the side lanes in that game specifically. He's the only one that could actually do something and get something for Cloud9. 
Um, unfortunately, he just got punished every time he went to do that. They would be uh, rise ulti on him or TP or whatever it is. And so that's basically you actually just have to give some credit to CLG there, I would say. Um, in the TSM game, a little bit different. Um, you had Karma top the roaming top lane. And they just went and dove bot again. <laughs> just they did it three times like in the first six levels of the game. So, Yeah, however, in that one, they come back and win. And I said to you, before that game started, I said, um, Summit is going to absolutely just shit on them because they're just going to leave him alone in the side lane. And, well, he's just going to get really fed. But they still made the mistake in that game of TPing him down to try to help out. And they ended up just losing him as well. So... Like, I was a little bit surprised at Cloud9's inability to play against the roaming top because I think by now you should know how to play that and just, you keep the Camille top, which by the way, the Camille is a great answer into it, and you just absolutely smash him. He still ended up smashing them anyways, but I was a little bit disappointed in how they played that. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think regardless of any situation, any team, any game, in the roaming top meta, I think TPing bot... To try to save your bot lane and dive scenarios is just a losing play in the long run no matter what but even like him tp'ing bot he tp'd late as well like when berserker was pretty much almost dead by the time he pressed the teleport button and obviously teleports a four second channel yes and winsome then died and then i think summit got redove right after didn't even get the wave so he ended up dying as well and like this kind of that really kicked off like tsm's you know early game because yeah sure like you were getting ahead sort of in your bot side of the map with this um, roaming support sort of funnel meta. That's a kind of, People are kind of just reverted to calling it funnel meta. And honestly, that's what it feels like. It just feels yeah, like you're funneling feel your way. ADC. And, uh, you know... It's a but, trade, right? You're funneling your ADC to funnel and the enemy... You're letting the enemy funnel their top laner. It's a trade, pretty much, is what the way I look at it. Yeah. and But, I mean, the, the main thing to take away from, I think, both this game and we'll get into TSM little bit but even the previous game like camille seems like a really good answer just yes. in general to this roaming top strat specifically because it's one of the strongest split pushers in the game just due to the nature of her champion with sheen with the q auto resets um and also the ability to lock down that super giga fed adc with the camille alt and we kind of saw cloud nine do like a bit of a dive comp it was like it was a weird dive comp but i think you could classify it as a dive comp with the camille being able to alt in the nocturne alt being able to follow and then you also had this very interesting bot lane pairing of karma or sorry of uh what the hell am i trying to say senna and karthus being able to sort of drop their alts over top to both shield and deal damage to the enemies and i think you sort of saw once cloud nine kind of figured out what they needed to do to win the game in the mid game and you know tsm had no response to camille on the sideline it was kind of just gg from there like tsm didn't actually even generate that big of a gold lead during that game, no, they obviously they were up like 9-0 in kills, but I think the highest goal lead they ever got was like 1.8k because Summit was doing such a good job of, you know, running it down in the side lanes of just mashing towers and getting as much gold as possible. Um, but Camille seems like the champ. It feels like, yes. you know, in week one, we saw a lot of Graves and Gwen because, okay, these are two champions that have really strong wave clear and when given a lot of gold can be absolute monstrosities, but... Camille has this sort of added element of being, you know, maybe not as strong of an individual split pusher and, you know, wave clear as these other champions. She's such a great team fighter and she has that lockdown potential in ADCs and it just seems like a really strong pick. I think we mentioned this last week. I think we mentioned, I, I remember saying a few champions. I'm pretty sure Camille was one of them because her, her mobility is great in a side lane to be able to split and her mobility is great to engage like you're saying and lock down someone and honestly just one shot them. It's a, You have a good engage tool if you want it. You have a good split 
tool if you want it. And so that um, the the ability to have multiple options is why the Camille works so well. Uh, and of course, her scaling is great. She kind of becomes an assassin when she's fed like that. Like, is she assassin? No. But when you're fed like that, yeah, she's an assassin now. Um, so there's that. Last thing before we move on to to TSM. Or I see you're having. I have no more lights. Lighting still. You're having trouble with the lighting. Um, last thing before we move over to the TSM part of this is uh, there was a lot of people wondering if Fudge was griefing with the whole, or C9 was griefing with the double Leandri's build, myself included. Um, it turns out that he later admitted, like, no, this was not like an homage to LS. Like, it was just an incorrect build. Um, I don't so, buy it. Uh, yeah, the thing is, I don't know. I, I believe him. I do believe him. I, don't I think buy he's it telling for a the second. truth. But I will admit that when he said that, I went, Hmm, kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, because I remember saying to you while we're watching the games, I was like, I'm genuinely wondering if they're griefing. Um, because griefing is literally doing something that gives you a, a lesser chance of winning the game. Like, that is griefing. And so there is a per possibility that they were griefing with, with those items. However, me personally, maybe I'm too forgiving. I don't think so. But you think they were, eh? Yeah okay 100 interesting, interesting uh before we move on to tsm just we've had a few uh or quite a few new viewers lately so i'm going to continue to remind you all to hit the subscribe button and let you know that we always we stream live on twitch every monday at 12 midnight or just past 12 midnight i should say est around 9 p.m 9 30 p uh pst the other thing is we are on Spotify, we are on Apple Podcasts, any anchor supported platforms. And so if you want to find us, there are many ways to do that. And uh, remember to go follow us and hit the follow button or hit the subscribe button, all that crap. Okay, TSM now. TSM earlier in the week are just like, hey, we're sending Shen Yi down to Academy and oh, also we're releasing a coach. And then boom, C9 just puts a huge, nope, well, I guess you could. Oh God, I was gonna say a cloud over top all of this, but that's Grinch. I can't avoid it. Yeah, I can't avoid. It. Anyways, they overshadow all of this by their bombshell news. But like TSM, still, this is not. This is definitely good drama here, even if it doesn't live up to the LS drama. Yeah, Cloud9 basically said, "Hold my beer," uh, when <laughs> yeah. TSM did announce that they're moving Shinny down to Academy, and uh, that he was getting replaced by Yerson, who was their Academy ADC. Um, I mean, looking at, you know, TSM right now, they went one and one this week, but in my mind, they're still a winless team. Like they don't actually have a win in my eyes because they did not win that game against Immortals. Immortals lost that game. Like they, they did not win the game. Let's, so let's, he, let's be honest can I argue here. Against that though? So I, I totally get why you say that. First of all, let me start with that. But here's why I, I don't like that take necessarily, because if they don't deserve the win that they got against immortals does, shouldn't that mean that cloud nine doesn't th deserve the win that they got against tsm like like they were really winning and won and then lost and they were they were really losing and then won so it's like do you get what i'm trying to say here regardless it's a one in one week if it's like kind of evened out do you get what i'm saying i i would say sure but i would also just i in my opinion would say no just because if you kind of look at the landscape of those two games like Sure, TSM, it looked good for them. They were up 9-0 in kills, but their gold lead never eclipsed more than 2,000 gold. And they were never as, they were never in a situation where they were stacking, they were getting, you know, drags. They were stacking drags. You know, they were pushing lanes. They had anything more than just influx of gold ADC. Um, whereas in the game against Immortals, I mean, they were getting smacked for the first 30 minutes of the game, basically. Felt like Immortals was playing the anti-roaming support top is about about as good as you can. They also had the Camille pick into the roaming support. 
Um, and Revenge was getting a whole lot done on the sideline, just exactly like Summit was in, in their game thereafter. Um, but it was just Immortals' failures to team fight correctly post 30 minutes to them pretty much just insta-losing the game. Like, they did not once press Camille R on Jinx that entire game. It didn't happen once. Okay, what, what are we doing here? Are we talking gameplay first? Or are we talking the TSM, the dropping the player? Or, well, putting them into Academy? Or what, how, you wanna, how do you want to go? Well, I, I mean, I guess we're talking about the gameplay because we've kind of been talking about it okay, for a little okay. bit. But I don't know if I've ever seen a Jinx start off 4-0 by, like, what, seven minutes? And still lose a game. I understand that on the other side, there's a funnel happening for the other side. Like, I get that. But, guys... That is amazing that you can have... Jinx is probably one of the... Is Jinx the best hyper carry in the game right now? I would say probably yes. Am I missing someone? Probably her or, <clears throat> her or Aphelios. Yeah, and, and I, it's funny because yeah, I hear back and forth about uh, Team Aphelios versus Team Jinx right now and which one's the best one. I personally am in the Jinx camp. Yeah, um, I, I, seen... I, I said last week I preferred Aphelios over Jinx, but Jinx was looking a little broken this week. Yeah, um, you're but back, I, you're but I don't know. Jinx side I, now? I do think that's partially because, like, it feels like whenever Jinx is like on the enemy team, like the other team just doesn't know how to team fight against it. Like they just, like I don't know. Everyone is legit just run for the fucking hills, man, because yeah. Jinx will just absolutely one shot you and reset on your whole team. Like it's just such a pentakill cleanup champion that it's like you're so afraid to make one little mistake against it. Um that you end up just kind of seeding so much of the map. Even even if you um, have Jinx and like you don't want to fight, you don't necessarily have to just because you pressure them off every single objective by just existing. That, and I don't think you get that with Aphelio. That's, that's one of the things that I think puts Jinx a little bit ahead. But anyways, they still managed to somehow throw that game. Uh, I guess that's where you just got to give credit to, um, to Summit for just popping them all, right? Like you got to give credit to the other side for coming back, I suppose. Yeah, no, uh, for me, it was much more, uh, that game was more about Cloud9's ability to sort of create advantageous team fights um, with their fed Camille and, you know, using Nocturne to dive and then using, you know, the Karthas and Senna alts as these extra damage and shields over top of whatever was happening. And then when it wasn't about team fighting, it was about drawing TSM members around the map with the Camille and the split push because Cam there was nobody who was able to match Camille on the side lane. The person who consistently was doing it almost the entire game was Kaiduo. And then, you know, they basically, you know, when the Elder Dragon came up, was it Elder that came up? Yeah, it was Elder that came up. Cloud9 just did a great job of macroing around it and having Summit commit to the side lane, force Kaido to TP back into the base, and then Summit use his TP to then re-enter the fight at Drag and wipe the team and end the game. So, yeah. and it was basically, like I said before, the complete opposite of that in the Immortals games, where Immortals just did not know what to do at all when it came to sort of split pushing post 30 minutes uh, when there were major objectives like Baron or Elder Drag or Drag Soul spawning. And, you know, they would have Revenge like half committing to the split push and then not use his TP when it came to team fighting. He would show up late to team fights. He was using his Camille ult in the side lane instead of using it on Jinx. So, I don't know. Like, it was just like... The games were completely different, like, versions of the same game. <laughs> yeah, because they it, were. It, like, you had this hyper-carry Jinx... And you had this enemy team who was playing the split push with the Camille of the team fight threat. And one team didn't know what the hell they were doing. And one team did. So it's like, yeah, I have. So I have more to say on the IMT game, but I'm going to wait till later because it's more on the IMT side of things. Um, the last thing that I want to say uh, as for the TSM side, because uh, we talked plenty about them in Cloud9 already, is that 
I, one good thing that came out of this weekend, even though they played bad pretty much the whole weekend, the one good thing that came out of this weekend is we finally saw Spica make a highlight play and like actually take over a portion of the game, which I know JNT is about to say like, dude, that's just Cloud9 trolling that fight. And I, I'm with you. It was, I'm but it was a good play. Like, But my God, did Spica need something like that? And my God, did TSM fans need Spica to show Spica? You know what I mean? Like that was actually such a huge play, and my God, did C did TSM fans need that, or just the TSM org needed that? Because this is the first time we saw Spica show up and be an absolute boss. That was a huge one v nine play there. Yeah, like if if you were to tell me before that moment, even that like this guy was the former MVP of the league just last split, I would have like laughed you out the room because Spica has pretty much done nothing this entire split to even warrant him being like a top player in his position. I don't know if that, I mean that's not direct flame against Spica because I think the whole team has been struggling and I think playing jungle is very very difficult when you have a lot of losing lanes or you have you know a team who's clearly struggling in communication but it did feel like this week Spica had a very strong week I think even in their game against Immortals um while for the majority of the game they were losing and they didn't really know what to do Spica did a really good job of keeping TSM in it especially in the early game I thought they did run the early part of their sort of uh a roaming top laner comp with the the two early dragons and the one rift herald was good and and that's credit to Spica because he's probably organizing those plays and like I said in the cloud nine game he had a, he had a strong game um but before that you know he pretty much had nothing to show so it yeah. looking better for Spica oh I forgot one other thing that I wanted to add to to the TSM gameplay portion is that I don't want to see them play uh I don't want to see them put Huni on a roaming support anymore um roaming top lane or roaming support, whatever you want to say. Um, because, first of all, I think this guy can get leads by himself in lane. He has been traditionally a good laner for the most part. Second, I think the way these roaming strats have gone for them is some of the best case scenarios they could possibly get. And they're still, like you mentioned, only up like a thousand gold after when it's all said and done. That is something like, I don't think they can rely on getting Jinx four kills every time they run this back. And by the way, still lose the game. So... I think what we've seen out of their their roaming top is like best case scenario early game, and they still don't really show much for it later on in the game. And so I think it's time for them to go back to uh, to standard gameplay. I think they would have much more success there. Yeah. Um. The thing that has like really been pretty impressive um, for Huni just in general over the last basically year now, and on his time with TSM is as you kind of mentioned, his laning has been like very very good. I think you know NAJS is like a bit of a meme. But Huni's Jace is actually really good. In my opinion, I think Huni probably has the best Jace um, in the LCS because he does generate a lot of leads himself. And then, you know, he does he does have a really strong presence in the side lane when it comes to the mid and late game with a champion like Jace, who traditionally turns into much more of a team fighter, much more of a poke champion. Huni kind of utilizes it like that individual strength, not in the team fights, but in the side lanes. Um, and I think that's a really, you know kind of cool adaptation that he's done to this sort of Jace pick, which is normally turned to like a win lane, group with your team, and then try to smash the game. Whereas like it's, you know, win lane, continue to be strong in the side lane while, you know, the enemy team is forced to bring one or two members while you're taking control of the rest of the map. And I definitely agree with you. I kind of want to see Huni get back to these more lane dominant picks um, because when TSM has looked their best, I feel like it's when Huni is on that kind of a style. Yeah, and just to, I just want to reply to Moyo in the live chat because I don't think I did a good job of saying, uh, any, of explaining, because he says, like, roaming tops aren't about generating gold leads, to be fair. I, I totally understand that. That's not the idea. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is, like, 
if you think you can get a gold lead by funneling your ADC, then that's a good way to go. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that if you just play standard, the gold leads that Huni will usually get you in the top lane will be better for your team overall than the slight gold lead that you get when things might go perfect like they did against C9. I don't think that it's always going to go that perfect against C9. I think most of the time, if they keep running back this this uh, these comps, I think they'll be at a gold deficit, if I'm being completely honest, especially once teams adapt to it and start to play better against it. And so I think that you're just better off putting Huni in the top lane on something traditional. More often than not, I think he will get you gold leads, is what I was trying to say. Um, okay, let's talk about the, the moves that they made now, because you and I talked last week basically saying that the imports for TSM were some of the better looking parts of this roster. Uh, I mentioned that I thought Shenyi was one of their great engage tools. Now, I, I will admit that, and I think I said this last week as well, that the times he is engaging are wrong, and they are not, like, you could tell he's not on the same page as his teammates. However, his engages were still solid, and you could show that he's comp a competent support. But they send him to Academy. This, to me, it has to be, and again, just for pure speculation, just a disclaimer, we, right, all we know is what Reddit knows, and that's never a good place to go off of. Um, but to me, it has to be because of him calling out... Um, tactical on his stream that's the only reason that i could see for this because i don't think if it's performance based then when, you can bench just what, about anybody on what happened on with, what happened with this tactical thing you're referencing oh did you not so so on i guess um on uh shenny's stream he basically kind of flamed tactical for dying level two um there was a reddit post for it i i thought you had seen this JT. was this was this before he got benched i believe so I believe this was before he got benched. Um, hmm. Maybe someone could fact check me on that. I, I thought you knew about this already or else I wouldn't. Oh. Yeah, so to me, that was like, I feel like that's probably it. Again, I don't know 100%. And we saw on Hotline League tonight, they had the VP of esports basically say nothing at all. So it doesn't sound like we're going to learn about anything for that anytime soon. Um, again, Moyo confirming yes before he got benched. So yeah. That, to me, has to be the reason, because I, if it's performance-based, again, I think pretty much any TSM member could have been benched. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for people who have watched this show for quite a while, you know that I love me some TSM Legends whenever they go 0-2. And when watching the TSM Legends episode, a lot of what they were referring to uh, when it came to the benching of Shenyi and why they're promoting Yurson was mainly, this is from the TSM side of things, what they were releasing was that it was mainly communication-based. And from that standpoint, yeah. I can completely understand that because while Shenyi did have some pretty decent performances from, from our standards of what we saw, it was clear that there were tons of moments where he wasn't on the same page as his team, where he's going in for these engages where nobody can follow up, where he's just going very early. And um, it, it totally makes sense to me that they would want to switch him out for a player like Yurison, who I didn't know until watching that TSM Legends episode. He also speaks English and Mandarin. And one thing right. that they were saying is there's this sort of bottleneck on communications when it came to their team because Spika is the only person who in-game can translate and basically communicate with Kaiduo and Shenyi very easily. And they were basically saying how that sort of creates like a bottleneck of communication, which in-game puts a lot of pressure on Spika and therefore kind of detracts from the team's performance. And from that standpoint, I actually 100% agree that putting in Yurisan is probably a good move if they think that, you know, this sort of bottleneck in their communication is going to help their team. And, you know, to, just to speak on, like, individually, 
Do I think Yersan is better than Shenyi or vice versa? I don't know yet. I think Yersan had a decent weekend. Like, he didn't look terrible by any means. He was kind of just, like, playing defend the tactical um, both Saturday and Sunday uh, because of how big tactical was getting. Um, I think, you know, TSM's reasonings for getting behind in that Immortals game and losing to Cloud9 are outside of their control. So I think going forward, um, I think it's a decent move, but obviously, you know, performance-wise, it makes zero sense. So it kind of has to be a communication thing. And my response to that is like, were you surprised about this? Like, you knew that you were bringing in two Mandarin speakers and you had you had put this plan in place for Speaker to be this sort of in-game translator and for them to sort of jump ship on that and go in a different direction four games into the split is pretty surprising. That's exactly why I don't buy it, though. And again, I, again, pure speculation. But like you just said, did you think that the communication was going to be perfect? Of course not. So that's why I don't buy the, oh, it's communication uh, issues. So we're putting him down to Academy. I think it is punitive because of him calling out his AD carry on live stream. That's what I think it is. But again, I don't know this for a fact. So don't take it for a fact. But uh, yeah, anyways. I don't think that it's communication issues because and the thing is, if it is communication issues, that's totally fair. But again, you should have known this was going to happen and you're not happy with the communication four games into the season. Come on. That, that's where I'm like, this seems a little weird. But what can I say? I guess you kind of have to give benefit of the doubt sometimes because I don't know what the communication is like on the team. I can't just watch a few clips on on uh, on YouTube or on TSM Legends and be like, oh, yep communication's great or the communication is awful like i can't i can't say that myself so yeah yeah um, la last thing that i'll say about this is i do want to reference um a couple things that the dominic the, their vp uh the guy who was on hotline league uh this past week said on the show because i thought some of what he was saying was pretty contradictory to what tsm said earlier on in the offseason about the direction of their team and sort of what they wanted to happen and the one quote that I really took from this was, he said that TSM was a developing roster and not a developmental roster. Yeah. Which one literally contradicts everything to what Parth and Reggie said when they basically made that announcement that Bjergsen was no longer going to be on the team and that they were probably going to be going to this more Chinese-oriented direction with bringing in some young players from the LDL. So number one, that just sort of doesn't make any sense. And it, to me, it sort of feels like that TSM... While they might have thought going into the season that it wasn't going to be a good season and they might not be title contenders and they probably weren't going to be a top two, top three team in the league, they're also just surprised at the fact that they are 0-4 or there was a possibility that they were 0-4. From my, from my standpoint, it feels like TSM is surprised they're doing bad, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if you're going to be this whole developmental team, as you said you were, bringing in two players who aren't native speakers, who obviously don't know how to speak English very well, and you probably, you should have known, or you did know, but didn't expect the communication to go this poorly. It, it's just like, I don't know. It just sort of like, it just gives me, me like a bad taste in my mouth that they didn't like think that there was a possible world where they were going to be at the bottom of the tank, well, at the bottom of the standings. See, for me, I do actually kind of understand why it's surprising because you're bringing back Huni, Spika, and you have Tactical now. Like, those are three guys that we said ourselves we expect to be at least decent, at least, yeah. right? Like, former MVP. Um, and so I didn't think that they would be bottom of the table. But there's, like, variations of bad, right? If, if you go in thinking there's no chance they're going to be bad, then that's dumb, dumb. But if you go in thinking there's no chance we're, we're tied for last place with CLG... That I understand if they're surprised by this. That that's something I could be like, oh yeah, I guess I didn't see that either. 
yeah it's it's just a it, psm as a whole is they just give me a weird vibe like i don't know yeah like yeah, I, like i, I said i i am counting down the minutes until we get this next tsm legends episode yeah i because it's gonna God, be for, epic for those, for those that listened to hotline league tonight it was rough listening to the tsm part because he the the new vp basically was just all pr answers he couldn't say much about anything Travis is like, can you at least say like who's making the decisions of like who who's getting? I don't know. I I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think he was asking like who's making the roster decisions, and he couldn't even say that. And I'm just like, can you not just say like Chowie, like the coach? Like no, I that was really really weird. It was it was hard to watch honestly. That was the first time that I've ever felt that about uh, a Hotline League episode. And there's a lot of stuff that should be hard to watch if you listen to some of the calls on that show. This was some of the hardest. It was like. Uh, five calls of him not being able to answer things, so not not a really good sign there. But uh, anyway, okay, we've gone on for quite some time about C9 TSM, as expected. We've we've expected that to happen. Let's get on to some of the rest of the league now. Um, FlyQuest is at the top of the table, sitting at five and one along with TL. Um, let's start off. JNT is FlyQuest for real? Like, are they a top team in the LCS? And, and where do you put them if you were to like power rank them? I am going to go ahead and say they are not a top team. Ooh. And well, okay, that might be top team though. What What's I would top team for you? what I would define as a top team would be top 3 to 4. And I would place okay. them more on the 4 to outside of 4 range. If I had to give them mm. an estimate, like like I'm not going to use a whole number here and be a dumbass, like sorry, but like I would give them a 4.5. Like if if one is the best one is like first place. I would give them like a four point five, and while you can say, "Oh wow, JNT, you're being like a huge pessimist and you're not a FlyQuest believer," they're five and one. They're tied for first place right now. I think we got to sort of take a look back at some of these previous games because they were the first team to sort of adapt the smite top in week one. And mm -hmm. dude, I'm not gonna hate on them. Like there is a ton of value in pulling out quote unquote. I'm not gonna say they're cheese, but a lot of people would say it's cheese. Cheese comps. To win games early into the season. I think that's exactly what you need to do if you are a team who's obviously not going into the season a top team because those early wins are vital to the lower tier teams in order to make playoffs or make a playoff push. So I say good on them from doing that, but you've got to realize like, is that success sort of be, can the success be sustainable? And they've had some really good results so far. I, I think they looked, they beat 100 Thieves this past weekend. They looked really good. Takui was, has been looking really, really good, like one of their best players. But my problem is, is do I think it's sustainable? And for right now, I think I would have to say no. Damn, so do I. Because then, I, I hate that we both have to say no. And the reason, I mean, the uh, reasons why I say that is because I just don't have a ton of faith in Kumo and Jose Diodo moving forward. And I feel like so, right now, like I, I was, I was thinking this randomly earlier today. Like, like I'm going off on a small side tangent. Like, hmm. Because everyone always compares the LEC and the LCS. I would say the LCS right now, their top laners are all really good. Like, I would say the LCS top laners are better than the LEC top laners right now. Whoa, like, hot take from James. Maybe, maybe it's a hot take, but, like, the only reason I say that is because, like, I was scrolling through Twitter, and somebody said, like, who's the best top laner in the LEC? And I saw the results, and it was, like, Wonder, Odawamne, Broken Blade, Irit, and somebody else. And I was like... None of those guys are like that insane. It, and dude, one of them, like, and then it had Alfari in there. I was like, that guy's running it down. So, like, yeah. you tell me you're going to put him in, like, top of the best LEC top laners? I was like, hmm, now let me think of LCS top laners. Summit, Someday, who's playing insane. Impact, who's playing pretty well, despite EG not 
playing very well. Uh, Whippo, and um, yeah. who was my last one that I'm trying to think of, but I'm now forgetting. I forget. Uh, but moving on. Well, what I can say is I, I would agree with you that Whippo is the best out of both leagues. I would I would agree with that, but I don't think that's a really hot take, though. But basically, my whole, in summary, I just don't think that Kumo and Jose Diodo are anywhere near to the level of the top top laners and junglers in the league. And I think they're going to get exposed sooner than later. Okay, so you said a couple of things that, that I like. Um, so I also agree that no, they are not a top team. I, I, and again, I put them like top team, I, I consider that as top tier. So I say no, they are not a top team because I would say that TL and 100 are kind of up there on their own. Maybe Cloud9 as well, but not FlyQuest for me. Uh, however, this past weekend, I think they played like a top team. They did. And so the re I think this weekend was definitely their best weekend. They played really well. Um, and so like it, literally everyone in the lineup, I would say outside of Johnson, sadly, I thought played like a top player. That doesn't even mean Johnson played bad. But I just thought that at some point this weekend, Every single one except Johnson on this lineup played really, really well. And I was really, really impressed. But to your point, the thing that I liked of what you said was like, let's not forget week one. Because even though week one, yes, they were playing a new comp. The, the smite top thing was very different. And there's a lot of time. It takes a lot, a long time to adapt to that play style and blah, blah, blah. Those games, they probably should have lost. Like they did not look good that week. And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm looking for just a little bit more consistency out of this team before I call them a top team. If this super week coming up, if they show up all three games and play the way they did just this past weekend, I will call them a top team. They are very close for me, but I, I don't think that it is sustainable in the long run. I hope to God I'm wrong. Do I want them to be a top team? Fucking right I do. I love this team. They are so fun to watch. I think. First of all, I actually think Jose Diodo is playing great right now. I thought he had a really good weekend. His Hecarim was great. His Hecarim pressured so often in ways without even engaging. I, I remember pointing this out to you. The one fight, he just faints that he's going to go in and pulls all of 100 Thieves back because they're afraid of his engage, which allows Takui to walk up and get the Event Horizon, what's the, the Vagar E, uh, onto the Nar and pick, pick off a kill. Like, those are really subtle things that people don't normally see. And then there's, there's his Lee Sin game. He had three kicks in that game that are just fight-winning kicks. Like, he is absolutely popping off. Then you got Kumo on the Trinomir. What a freaking game out of him. He's owning in the, in the in top lane, in laning phase. He's being an absolute monster. And then he decides, I'm just going to go one-shot Abadage and all the 100T carries. That was what an absolute monster. And then, I'm almost done my rant, I promise. And then, the game looks like it's slipping out of their hands, and Tukui makes a hero play and melts four 100 Thieves members on the Vagar. What a fucking beast. And then, of course, Aphromu on the, um, on the Tom Kench against Dignitas was blowing so many flashes and finding so many engages on Tom Kench. I can't say enough about how well this team played this weekend. Again, I still think Johnson played well. I just didn't think he stood out like the others. This team is very, very close to being a top team. Just not yet. There, there's my rant. Yeah, like I, I definitely agree. <sighs> I, I don't want to sound like a FlyQuest hater because I'm not, and I, I'm actually glad that this team is playing really well, specifically Takui, because from what I had seen in Lockin, I personally thought that he was like going to be a good player based on what I saw in Lockin. I thought, yeah, FlyQuest didn't really do that much damage overall in Lockin. It went like one and three or two and two in the group stage and got two owed in the first round by team liquid. But I thought Takui was looking good and their bot lane Aphromoon Johnson looked like the Dignitas versions of Aphromoon Johnson a little bit. Um, and I, I totally agree. I think they played really, really well this past weekend. 
my my question is right now, like I said before, is it sustainable? And I think we will right. see after this three game stretch that'll give us a better picture of kind of what to expect going the next half of the season. Um, and I am excited. Like this is, I feel like this is a team to watch. Even though I didn't say that they're necessarily yes. a top team, like I got my eyes on this team because, like you said, a good weekend, very good performances could bump them right up into that like four, like four to three range, more on the three side. And the other thing that I just want to highlight what games they have coming up in the Super Week next week. They have Cloud9, they have EG, and Immortals. Now, call me crazy, could you not see a week where they go 3-0 this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they could go 3-0. They sit at 8-1? It's it's possible. The thing for me, though, is to, to be a top team in the LCS, you need to win the games you're supposed to win. That means they need to beat Immortals. And to be a top team... You need to beat. You need to be better than those other mid, uh, uh, like lower echelon top tier teams. Like you need to beat those fifth place teams, those fourth place teams, and those third place teams. And you know, EG's record doesn't necessarily show it right now, but everyone projects EG to be a good team. Like if you want to be considered a top team, you got to go win that game against EG. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like that Cloud Nine match on Sunday. Should they be two zero on the weekend? Is that prove it moment? Like okay, we are a top team. Boom, we're eight and one. Here you go. Yeah. So, like, I, but again, I personally think like there is a world where this team could just like fall back to earth a little bit because like he's a great team. Not despite the record being two and four. Yeah, they're not playing the best right now, but I don't think that people doubt that this is not a playoff team. Um, Cloud Nine and they got to win that Immortals game. Like that Immortals game feels like the key matchup, even though it might be against the worst team of those three. Right, and the the other thing too. Um, that I'll add is like even if they go, what's possible and I think would be so sad would be is if they go three zero and then in the second part of the split, oh yeah they just bomb they it loot, that would be an absolute nightmare. But I'm still I'm I'm sticking to my guns. If they go three zero this weekend, I'm absolutely a, I'm buying in because they've shown some really really good things just this past weekend. Like yeah, and and God is this team so fun to watch, man. I I'm so happy they're doing well, especially with how fucking shit they looked last year, man. They needed this. My God, did they need this? Um, and and I guess on the last thing I'll say is that I am giving Jose Diotto my pop off award this week. That guy was a beast, specifically on the Lee Sin. I thought he was just a monster. So I think it's pretty clear. I, I get excited to talk about FlyQuest nowadays, which is. Not something that happened a year ago. Righty. Um, also at five and one, we got a uh, team liquid. Um, I mean, they're five and one. Their only one loss was to 100 thieves. And was it the first? It was either their first game of the split or their second game of the split. I, I think do it was remember. Game one. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, but I'm not going to beat around the bush here. This is the best team in the league, and it's not close yes. for me personally. Yeah. Uh, I this agree. Is, this is the best team. Uh, the big thing, obviously, this weekend was Corja J is back in the lineup. He got his green card. He's by league ten, well, I guess by all terms, he's a North American resident right now. Um, meaning that Ayla subbed out and Corja J subbed back in. And I know everyone talked up Ayla and was like, "Oh my God, you don't even notice Corja J because Ayla's playing so well." I was like, "Dude, like, did you see Corja J this weekend? He was absolutely <laughs> shit stomping." everybody like it wasn't I'm even so close we brought it up last week or, it or maybe was the week before yeah whatever we did brought it up. i was i was so, so, i was telling did. people i was telling people like dude corgi is going to come back in and make ayla look like a fucking dog shit player 
Not to yeah. like say Ayla's a dog shit player, but like by comparison, like CoreJJ is just so much better. Like it's not yeah. even close. I'm, I'm yoinking that take because I remember I said that on my own. I'm I'm taking that one. Um, honestly, like I said, I'm really happy that we talked about this because it would be so easy to be like, oh yeah, like of course we always knew CoreJJ was CoreJJ was gonna come back and be a beast. But to, it's better to be able to call your shots before. And I realize this isn't like a huge call. I know that Core JJ is probably the best player in the league, or at least he's been that for, uh, well, I don't know, pretty much since he joined. But he really, really showed just how much TL was missing him. Uh, his Tom Kench was absolutely amazing. Uh, what else did he play? What was the other pick? Played Nautilus um, in the first game. Right. And his Nautilus, man. He was actually impacting the map so much early, which is exactly what we were saying TL needed. And even, even Santorin started impacting the map. Okay, it was against CLG, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. They were absolutely hard bot gapping CLG. But we said we wanted to see Santorin be more proactive and make more ganks early on, and he did. So do I want to see it against other teams? Yes, absolutely. But he did it even if it was against CLG, and even though they're absolutely just shitting on their bot lane already, they still did it. The other thing is that, well, it looks like Bjergsen found, I mean, the whole league found this pick, but it looks like Bjergsen found another slow scaling mid uh, in the Vagar uh, that he could absolutely shit on people with. The Vagar pick is looking really, really good right now. Um, it seems so simple for TL's playstyle right now. It's like, okay, win top, win bot, mid just chill, and we scale and kick the shit out of everyone and, uh, you know, and go next game. Yeah, I, I was just checking. Vagar is getting nerfed on the next patch, so I think that's this upcoming week. Vagar is getting nerfed. Um, I looked at it. I don't um, think that's that big of a nerf. What do you think? What is they're nerfing the cooldown on his E? Did I miss anything else? I don't know. Yeah, the the biggest like the reason why Vagar is like back in the meta it feels like is because I mean it was kind of like a fringe meta pick even before this season. Like it was kind of like Q. yeah, no, well yeah, that was the reason why the champion's broken. If you want to throw it back, like, if people remember, like, Vladimir got buffed at one point and became, like, a really meta pick. Not Wasn't really super meta in competitive play, but became, like, a solo queue monster. And it was mm -hmm. because they reduced his spammable Q cooldown by one second. Pretty much copy-pasted what they did to Vladimir, they did to Vagar. So, for yep. me, it wasn't surprising at all that this champion is, like, all of a sudden good again. Um, I, like, the champion is just really broken, like... Niski was a big Vagar player, both on Cloud9 and on Fnatic. Nemesis was a huge Vagar player on his time on Fnatic. Like, there are a good amount of, like, LCS and LEC players. I guess not a good amount, but there are, there are a few. There are, like, two or three who, like, have, like, have Vagar as, like, a pocket pick. So, it's not surprising that this pick has now, like, popped back up, for me at least. Yeah, the one-second buff does a lot because you just have more ability to scale up and get more and more AP with that Q. Like, it actually seems like... Such a good um, weapon, if you will. Um, just pure scaling. And that's exactly what Bjergsen has been doing with his Zillion or with his Corky. Like, he's playing these slow, uh, just scale up and smash them champions. And, well, Vagar's another good one of those. So, um, I mentioned last week that, like, do I want to see TL have more than one style? Yes, because I'm afraid that I, when it comes to international play, that it might not look so good. But it's hard to fault a, fault a team that is good at their style. And that's one thing that TL definitely has down pat right now. They play their style very, very well, and they're the best team in the league. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I mean, I feel like I've been saying this almost every single week now, but, like, and maybe, like, everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, JNT, big hater. But, like, dude, I don't think Bjergsen has been, like, doing anything special. Like, 
Like, sh- like, dude, don't get me wrong. Bjergsen coming back to the LCS and him being on TL and not being on TSM is like, oh my god, big news. That was a huge storyline coming to the split. But like, Bjergsen's presence on Team Liquid for me is not noticeable at all. And I, I, that sounds like a bad thing. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think the majority of Team Liquid is centered around, so far at least, Whippo and Hansama. Um, and Bjergsen does seem to be playing this more quote-unquote supportive role. Um, but like you said... I want to see some Team Liquid games where we have this guy on an aggressive mid lane pick or more of that sort of carry champion. Like, I want to see him on, like, an Akali. I want to see him on, like... Right. Like, I don't, there's not really a lot of, like, early game mid lane champions in the meta right now. Maybe, like, an Aurelia. Maybe, like, an Action. Like, I don't really know. But I think that'll sort of come with TL experimenting with a couple more play styles because I don't think, like... I can't even judge, like, Bjergsen's performances right now relative to the past because it just feels like... He's not really been doing a whole lot, not because he needs to, because the rest of the team is just winning so hard. Yeah, he like Zed or Bed. <laughs> sure, dude, LeBlanc even. That, that's that's a good shout too. Like LeBlanc is like one of his pocket picks. Like, so here's what I want to say. I only half agree with your pick or with your take because I I think we want to see other things. Like, and I don't think Bjergsen has been this crazy carry player. But the other thing that the, the thing that I have to counter that with is like, I don't know what else he sh- could be doing on the picks that he's playing. You're playing to play slow and scale and then be a monster, which is what he's doing in these games. So for me, I, I don't think that I think he's having more of an impact than you're giving him credit for. I just think it's difficult to do that on these kinds of picks to really, really stand out. If we were seeing the LeBlancs as pointed out in the live chat or those kinds of things or the uh, the Zed or bed, if you will. Yeah. That's my take on it. I I, uh, I want to see more styles, but it's hard to fault a guy who's playing the style perfectly. Honestly. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, man, I'm not faulting him. I'm just saying, like, it's just yeah. hard to sort of judge his performances based on the past or based on the rest of the LCS because he's just kind of playing play safe and scale. And, like, that's a strat you can 100% do. But when we talk about this TL team, we know that this is going to be a team that's going to be representing us at international tournaments, whether it's MSI, right. like whether it, you know, who knows if it's going to be MSI for sure. It's got to be worlds. Like if this team doesn't make worlds like Jesus Christ, the region's doomed disaster. Um, yeah. Like huge disaster. Um, so like, I know it feels like we always, every time we talk about TL, we bring up like, Oh my God, but like this wins an A, but like, will it win international play? Like, I feel like it's a very valid thing to always harp on and always talk about because this is a team that has been built to do damage at worlds. Like, Yep. Yeah. You got to, the last the last thing I'll say on is is like Bwipo still doing Bwipo things. Like that guy is aggro and makes the game really exciting. Do I think the re- honestly I think most of the TL games are are a little bit boring honestly, but I think thank God for Bwipo because I think they would be really boring without him. Um yeah, out of the 5-1 teams, I think FlyQuest is more exciting to watch, but uh maybe things change. Who knows? It's only what it was 6 games into the season, not a really big sample size. They just got the full roster back together and we're seeing Core JJ able to have a lot of impact on the play on the on the on the map with his roaming. So maybe we see a lot more plays happening and things change. We'll have to wait and see on that. Next up is 100 Thieves. Now 100 Thieves. Uh, who did they lose to this weekend? That was a surprise. Refresh Immortals. my memory here. Right, Immortals. Wait, was it Immortals? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they I, lost to Immortals. I, no, they yeah. lost to Fly. Oh, that was the week before they lost to Immortals. Yes. Yeah, wait, okay. did they? Wait, who else did they play this week? <laughs> did they played Fly and they played Golden Guardians. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because yes. yeah, because someday yes, kicked yes. the shit out of. Out yes. of someday was absolutely yeah, smashing yeah. the Nar. Um, what yeah. a surprise he's been, eh? Like, 
I last year he was not looking too great for 100 thieves and I know we've mentioned this before but like he's really looking solid man to the point that like I've gone back and forth on who their best player is and I'm going well some days looking really really good closers looking really really good I think their bot lane is looking good not as good as they normally have been but still good the only problem with this lineup for me is Abadake I thought last weekend I thought he started to look a little bit better and I thought he started to come back into his own and then this weekend Abadake kept getting picked off in, in both games in yeah. both games, I, I was really disappointed with Abadage this weekend. Being super ward for him, um, he is just really careless and getting picked off when it matters, honestly. Like, these are costly, costly mistakes. Um, he got picked off with a package. And honestly, you got to give Afro some credit for the nice hook that he had there. But, like, if you got Corky package, don't get picked off, man. Come on. Like, you have amazing movement speed. And you could just, you're unstoppable if you just package out. Yeah, I, was, it, I was a little bit disappointed with Abadage this weekend. It, it feels like a lot of the times when we do see Corky, like they're like there's the two different kinds of Corkies I find. There's the Corkies that when they have the package, they feel like they can chat out a little bit more because they have the package as that like last like it's like oh shit I'm about to die press package I'm unstoppable. And then there are those other ones who kind of play it a little bit more safer and use the package as like your initial engage. And Abadage is definitely more on the side of like I'm well I have package so I'm gonna play up in your face and then I'll just use it as an escape. And I'll just use it as like my emergency button. So I don't know. The I, thing I, is, though. Well, it, sorry, it's it's it's, it's I, you're about to say obviously like it's such a strong like team fighting tool and great engage tool. Like I definitely think like dude, when you have package, just like set up your team fights, set up your vision control, and just package in whether to engage or just like to set that sort of draw that line in the sand when it comes to taking objectives. Like people will be doing drag. Like when you're halfway done drag, just like package that line right in front of it, and they can't walk through. And the other thing, too, is, like, imagine if Abadage gets back to his form like we saw him last year. Like, this team is now probably going to be able to compete with TL, and we have a much more interesting top two, because right now it's a, clearly a top one, I think. Um, and I think you get that really interesting top two if Abadage gets back to his former self, which, again, yes, it's only February, but, like, come on, man. Let's get her going here. I know we know he can be better, so I, I just want to see it, you know? The other thing that I'll say about 100 Thieves this weekend is I thought both of their games were kind of, like, draft gap. Um, I think, I think Golden Guardians took the NAR blind while Jace was still up, which is like kind of troll if you're doing that. I mean, he just absolutely shit on, on Licorice. But then in the other game, they picked the Trundle and they picked that into, I have it in my notes here somewhere. They picked that into Thresh and Vagar, which are the main two, like, I don't, and Hecram and Jinx. Like I could see you pillaring the Jinx. But, like, a lot of times you're just going to get that thing lanterned out. Trying to run down a Vagar is really difficult because of his E. And Hecram could always just ulti out. Um, I, I guess it's not too bad into the Hecram, but I really didn't think that this pick was going to do much. And I remember saying to you during the draft that, like, I didn't think FlyQuest had that great of a chance to win. Once the draft happened, I, I actually, like, that was where I was like, oh, FlyQuest might actually win this. Like, just from draft alone. Yeah, I mean, it's the fucking Vagar gap, dude. I don't know what to tell you. You you really didn't like the Trundle pick when it got locked in. If I oh my correctly. god, dude, dude, I was like saying this like Trundle is like one of the champions I play quite a lot in solo queue, and like I was saying like I said before like this week even happened, I was like, dude, like Trundle feels so bad to play right now because there's so like Trundle hates control mages. Like God, Trundle hates control mages because normally, kind of in the meta right now, you're running AP mid and AD everywhere else, so you basically always have to buy Ninja Tab Bay, and then you're getting absolutely owned by any sort of like. <laughs> Tabbies, yeah. tabby. <laughs> sorry, dude, if you ahead. if you say plated steel caps, I don't like you. Let me tell you this right now. It's it's ninja Aww. tabby. It always will be ninja tabby. 
I heard Ninja Tabe. I thought it was a nice little accent you got there on your whatever your Tabes. But basically, dude, uh, like he's picking Trundle into Vagar and Thresh. <laughs> like you're never gonna touch anybody. Like you're you're just never gonna touch anybody. It, it's completely impossible. And you saw that. Like closer, literally had to burn his flash to escape the cage like three or four times during the game. He could never really walk up to hit anybody. He was basically just an alt bot onto like shredding like Hecarim or Thresh's resistances. The pick and, and sucks. The don't don't play like, Trundle. It sucks. It sucks. Think about think about the influence that Closer has had on their games, right? It's, him and Someday have been to me their best players. And so when you're putting on so, someone, uh, one of your best players and one of your playmakers on someone like Trundle, eh, uh, give this guy some Viego, you know. <laughs> and maybe not in that particular game. I'd have to go back and look at the draft to to think uh, who I thought they should have picked instead. Since um, I was up, dude, like. I, I don't I don't remember. I just remember thinking I didn't like the trundle and I remember thinking there were other picks, but I don't remember specifically who they were. And yeah, specifically for closer, he could play other stuff and have more of an influence on the game. Yeah, I know you said this at the beginning, I'll just touch on it quickly. Like someday, you know, he's playing great. Uh you watched his show for a long time, you know I was always harping on someday because I don't think that he is the player that he once was, but He's proven me wrong. I'll starting tell you to that. look like it again. Pretty much like I, I, I have nothing bad to say about someday right now. I think he's one of the probably the second best top in NA right now behind Whippo. I think that's somewhat fair to say. Um, and I don't think like Whippo is you know that ahead in that metric. I think Whippo is obviously great, but I think someday is playing very very well. And um, tenacity. I'm sorry, dude, but you're not playing LCS. Like unless like things go catastrophically horrible. Um, in the next like six or seven games, like Tenacity is not going to be playing LCS. Yeah, and honestly, we we talked a little bit about that last week as well, where it's like maybe that's what lit the fire under his ass, knowing that he's competing for his spot, and now you just see him like dude, it's the to his it's self. the Keith McBrief effect, dude. Like season five <laughs> throwback when like Yasem was going to bench Turtle, and they brought in Keith for like two games, and then like I'm telling you, dude, Keith was ten- on TSM. I don't remember this. That was how Keith McBrief was babied into LD. I, I thought he was on TL. No, his first team was TSM. And then oh, I don't he, went, remember to, he this. went to TL. Dude, God I'm sorry. I'm the you e- said sport. season five? I'm, I'm, the e- I'm, the se- I'm the esports historian. Yeah, you definitely are. I, I am definitely not. Yeah, I, I'm not going to point back to see. I could tell you I probably watched all the games in season five. Can't tell you what all, at all what happened um, too long ago. Too long ago. Uh, GGS is next. I, I know whoa, whoa, people whoa, say whoa. GG. What? Whoa. Why are you adding the S there? Because uh, you can't take GG. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm firm on this stance. You can't, like, GG is, like, the most common term used in anything esports or gaming. Like, you can't take GG, man. And they were originally GGS, and so they're always going to be GGS to me. Um, we mentioned how they picked an R blind. That was bean soup, and they got freaking destroyed because jace and aurelia were both open and aurelia is also really strong right now they got hard punished with that but in the dignitas game they absolutely rolled them yeah. uh you basically had lost in ole just win lane really really hard which is a good sign by the way uh that they won lane that hard uh, and then they just pretty much pressured them off of every objective after that um no matter where they went, no matter where they sent the bot lane, they were just getting more plates, more objectives. They pretty much just gave up one drag by like 20 minutes. They had everything else. They had both heralds. I think they had two drags of their own. They had a billion plates and just ran over them. And then they took a little bit of time to yeah, close out yeah. the game after that. But but 
this this team is looking really good in the early game, and that's where like if you want to be on the positive side of Golden Guardians, is the early games look pretty freaking good, uh, and that's not anything I was expecting to see. Mm-hmm. And I've Coming said into the season specifically. I've said this before. I always prefer the teams who look good in the early game, but then might struggle to close it out rather than do absolutely nothing in the early game and then somehow win games. Yeah, um, there's a lot of teams that never get those leads to be able to close them out. At least they're at least they have leads to exactly be able to struggle closing them out. Like yeah, like it's a, it's a good bad thing. This this game was completely over by 20 minutes. Like they had like a 8k gold lead at 20 minutes, but then the game somehow went 40 minutes. And I do think that was sort of like Golden Guardians' inability to just pull the trigger because it wasn't like Dignitas was making plays to come back into the game. It was kind of just more like they had good wave clear with the Aphelios and the and the Corky to sort of kind of stall out the game. And it was kind of on Golden Guardians to go out and win the game. And they kind of just re- like they played it super safe. Like I don't think they did anything wrong per se. Like I, there's nothing I can point out and say you did this wrong. Shame on you. It was more just like. Well, we have the infinite scaling in Vagar. We have a great scaling pick in Jinx. Like, let's just play for Dragon. Let's play for Barons, and let's just like not lose the game rather than go out and win the game. And sure, that can be a problem because, as we've kind of harped on before, like this team does struggle to close out games. But you know, they need the they lack the balls. Golden Guardians. So there's do. a couple of things that I could point to that I I don't think they they did particularly well. So. I had a counter when I was rewatching the game today. I counted how many times they started up the Baron uh, and then just pulled off. It wasn't until their fifth attempt that they finally took down the Baron. But and I so- mean, at the same time, like, I can totally understand from their perspective, like, hey, like, dude, we don't need to flip this and, like, maybe lose the game. Right. So, like, yeah, right. sure, like, that is, like, looks really bad or, like, can be classified as a mistake. But, like, it's not a mistake. They're just playing it really safe and, like, eh. <sighs> No, no, no. So hold on. Here's why it is a mistake. I thought, I, I don't know, definitely the first time, maybe the second time as well, it's okay to pull off because it, it takes quite a while to get the Baron down. And so the team has quite a while to sift through the, the lack of vision that they have to end up getting to the Baron pit. With the gold lead that you do have, you they had an 8k gold lead by 19 minutes. You should be able to push into the enemy jungle, clear up a bunch of vision and be able to get back to Baron and melt it down. Now, that's not as easy to do at 20 minutes, so that's where I'm a little bit more forgiving that they pull off the first or second time. The third and fourth time, like, you shouldn't be able to easily walk up the... Oh, please tell me I wrote down what the the, the comps were. Okay, they had Vagar Cage, they had Nar, and they had Thresh. So all tools that you could really zone off uh, a Xin Zhao with. Like, those are things that, like, if you control the vision in, in the red part of the jungle there, it should take a long time for that Xin Zhao to walk through. And then if he does, Vagar Cage kind of fucks up the ability for him to get into the pit. And so there are things that you could do because an 8k gold lead at 20 minutes is, is way more valuable than an 8k gold lead at like 35 minutes, for example. So at some point, you have to force them into a bad fight or else they're just going to slowly scale and eventually kind of be even with you in gold. So that's one of the thing areas that they didn't look too good at. The other is when they're like sieging, they sort of split up and Olive is like way out there on his own and just gets picked off randomly, which like they had no world in, in, where they should get an engage there. So it's just like some carelessness in their sieging. Um, those were the only two things. I don't consider them huge things because they ultimately kept those massive leads and did ultimately close out the game. But let's be honest, this team is not super clean at closing out games, and that's that's very clear by now. And so they do have a weakness, and they they do or they do need to find ways to push uh, the pace of the game a little bit quicker. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of games where teams slowly scale up and catch them in, in items and and strength. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be kind of telling if they get into a situation against a much better opponent where they have this massive early game lead and then they kind of make, maybe they end up throwing it because the games that they've had these super massive leads in this game against Sagentoss and then the previous one, I want to say it was two weeks ago against TSM. Um, That was in week one, I think, maybe. Maybe it was last week. I'm getting my LCS weeks mixed, mixed up, I guess. Yeah. But uh, that game against TSM was like, that was a game where they were like kind of throwing a little I do want to see what happened eight years ago in C9 versus TSM. You could tell you, but two weeks ago, nah, 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 nah. I could, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you had them in finals, like to be you, fair, to neither say? can I. Neither can I. Um, sorry, I, I cut you off. What were you? What were you? No, I, I just I do want to see like these situations where they do play maybe these better opponents and how their early game kind of goes from there. If they were to get a lead, because against the good teams, like when they're losing, like they're getting shit stomped. So. It would be interesting to sort of see that middle ground where they go into the mid and late game on a very much more like even standpoint, and then how it goes from there. Like I'm, I'm a pretty big proponent in, you know, you can learn a lot from a team going into an even game state because it's not like one team is massively ahead or behind, and then naturally, you know, mistakes will occur because either the team ahead is going to throw or the team from behind has to go for these very desperate plays. Whereas when you're in a very even game state. It's all about like which team is making better decisions in the moment, which team is setting up for objectives properly. If they're trading correctly across the other side of the map, like if you want to give second, third, you know, Dragon Souls up for Barons, or you want to give Baron for Elder and stuff like that. So it's much more interesting to see when you have you know these more, these more mid tier teams um, on even states against other teams. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to Dignitas now. Now Dignitas went O two this weekend. Um... There are some things that I'm worried about for this team, um, some slight things, um, but I didn't think their O2 looked terrible by any means. A um, couple of things that stood out to me is like, look, they're not getting the Jarvan every game, and River looks way better on the Jarvan than he does like the Udir, for example. Um, the other thing is they're not getting the Caitlyn or the Lux or the Karma anymore, where they could just hard shove bot lane and get, you, get a bunch of Pryo that way. And so... I guess what I'm saying is I want to see someone says to dig too linear in the live chat. I'm kind of looking at that the same way. You need to be able to bring out other tools. You can't be countered to be a good team. You can't be countered by bands. You can't be, you have to be able to bring out more than just a few weapons. And that's where I'm a little bit worried for Dignitas. However, some of the things like in the game against FlyQuest this weekend, I actually thought they still played a pretty good game. There was just some slight miscommunications. Like there's the one play where they have blue with Rift Herald in the top lane. And he's just splitting by himself, letting the, the Herald, like there's no one answering his push. Herald takes tier one, Herald crashes tier two. He could keep going for a while. And then they kind of decide to engage 4v4 after getting a pick on Tukui. So there's no, um, there's no Corky left on the map. And they go for this engage. The only issue is Yumi ult was up in like five seconds. And so I remember thinking like, this fight looks like it goes really bad, but if they have Yumi ult, which they would have in like five seconds, maybe this fight looks completely different. And the other thing too is like, they only sort of like half committed to the fight. A couple guys did and a couple guys didn't. I feel like either play is completely fine as long as your whole team is on the same page. So it just looked like a little bit of miscommunication, which ultimately led them to like a really big disadvantage. Jose Diodo got a really nice kick and ended up winning the fight. To me, it wasn't like there was like these awful, awful plays that made them look so much worse than FlyQuest. Just a couple small little things. Yes, copium, if that's what you're thinking. Definitely some copium. Um, but I still think this is definitely a good team, and I think that they could take games off of other top teams in the league still, despite looking not as great this weekend. Yeah, um, I, I am 
<laughs> the main thing, I, I agree with everything that you said, first of all. So I don't really have a whole lot to add on that front. I will say, though, their next three games in the Super Week are Cloud9, TL, and 100 Thieves. Uh-oh, the so, test. Yeah, this is a big test for them. Um, I won't spoil the uh, game predictions quite yet, but uh, let's just say their record this week will have a zero and will have a three in it, and I'm pretty sure it's the bad kind and not the good kind. Hmm. So my main, like, I'm kind of just starting to question if the Dignitas that we saw in the lock-in tournament was actually the Dignitas that we have right now. Because I do kind of agree with what you said. Like, when they're not getting the Jarvan and they're not getting this sort of these early bot lane priority champions, like, feels like they're a bit lost in the early game and they don't exactly, like, know what to do or it feels like this might have been a play style that just kind of was naturally occurring. Maybe, like, outside of, you know, the, the actual games that might have been very, very prevalent in scrims. Like, maybe bot lane was just winning all the time and they were really great at knowing how to win the game through bot lane and getting objective control early on with drags and rift heralds and now that's not happening and they sort of do have to do like a lot of on the fly thinking um and they have a big test like i said c9 tl 100 thieves and um i feel like we'll know where dig is at after these next three games do you remember at the start at the start of the split we were basically saying 100 thieves is going to have to find new ways to win because they always just played through bot and like well, yeah. now that you can't TP, but I feel like I'm going the same direction here with Dignitas. I am not giving up on them just because they had a, I, I don't even know if I want to call it a poor weekend. We'll call it a poor weekend because they went 0-2. Um, but I think they, I guess what I'm saying is they need to find other ways to win games other than just hard shoving with the Caitlyn and bot lane, the Caitlyn Lux or the Caitlyn Karma, whichever one you want to look at. And having um, River look, uh, really good on something more than just Jarvan. Now, I'll remind he still looked pretty freaking good on the Poppy last week. Um, maybe Udyr is just not the pick right now. I'm not too sure, but that's something they're going to have to figure out, I think. I still think this team is a good team, though. If, if I were to, like, power rank them, off the top of my head, it's probably five or six. I think they're definitely, like, middle of the pack. Yeah, I... it's, I don't know, maybe like a six or a seven. It's, uh, it's tough. Okay. It it feels like like they had like they should have won that EG game so like this team should be four and two realistically, um but they're three and three so um yeah. Could you imagine if they did win that EG game and EG they only should've. has one win on the season? They should have won that game. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Next up is IMT. IMT. Hey, play... hold on. Let, let me start the let me start this one off because okay, I go, got a go, question. Go. I got a question for you. Like. All right. Feed me. What you got? It feels like this Immortals team is the same Immortals. It's we can beat anyone, but we can also <laughs> lose to anyone. Like, dude, change the players or whatever, but like the the thing, like the faith is still remains. Question? What's your question yeah, though? The question is like, is this team different from the old Immortals? Like, sure, the players are different, but like, dude, they just do the same thing. I think you did. You make a very good point um, because I hadn't thought of that myself. But you do make a very good point uh, because this is what we saw out of them last year. I did not think about that, but yeah, you're, you're on the right track there. They actually, and the other thing that I'll say as well is that they played, and I think Azale pointed this out on broadcast, they played perfect in the game against TSM until they didn't. And I mentioned yeah. earlier when we were talking about TSM that I had more to say, here's where I got to go. They made two mistakes in that game. One was Revenge somehow getting caught in the base as they're like sieging with Baron buff and stuff like that. I don't know in what world you're engaging. That mistake wasn't even that big of a mistake. It was like, oh, whatever, XD. He got a little bit overconfident and was just doing some troll-ass shit. Fine. They're still way ahead. Not a problem. 
the Destiny play when he flashes into Flay, um, oh my to Flay Tactical. That is just the biggest mistake. Uh, that is the the biggest mistake of the game, and it's, it's so costly. And the thing is, sorry, uh, uh, just itching my leg. The thing is, is that that's not even a bad play if it happens like three to five seconds later. It was just too early, like. It does not take very long for a Hecram to run into an AD carry. All he had to do was wait for Hecram. It doesn't take that long. Just wait the three or the five seconds and then flash Flay. Unfortunately, he didn't. And then he just gives a free kill to Tactical. Tactical cleans him up, gets the reset. So now Tactical can run out of the Hecram fear. And of course, Jinx is going off on resets now. And now the game's just over. Like there was two mistakes. They, they, their macro was perfect. TSM was being run all over the map. There was nothing they could do. Two mistakes cost them this game, and that was just so, so sad uh, for Immortals and Immortals fans. My God. Yeah, um, we sort of talked about the, the sort of Camille, the way the champion sort of is played into this sort of roaming top uh, meta right now, and Revenge did a great job in the sidelines split-pushing on Camille the whole game. Like, he was playing, he was sidelining amazing. However, he didn't really know what to do when it came to the team fighting, uh, because there sort of was a point where Revenge couldn't get any more done in the side lane because on both bot and top lane, he had taken tower, he had taken inhibitor, and he was basically on Nexus Towers, and you can't exactly dive Nexus Towers. So uh, it was kind of like they had to at some point result to team fighting, and then Immortals just didn't really know how to team fight. Like Revenge was not using his TP to come into the team fights. He was using his ulti poorly in the side lanes, and like you just mentioned, like, Everything was just super discombobulated in the team fights. Destiny was going in early. Revenge doesn't have R to, to ult the Jinx. Like, Hecarim is going in. Like, either Hecarim's going in too late or Destiny's going in too early. So, like, the, the CC layering is just way off. And Tactical just kind of escapes and runs out the way and kills the whole enemy team. So, it, it just felt like, you know, as you said right at the beginning, like, Immortals was playing perfectly until they weren't. And <laughs> what, was like, the, what was the goal differential in that game? The highest I ever reached was 9.5k. At twenty at at twenty eight minutes, it was nine point five k. Uh, thirty one minutes, it was eight k, and then two minutes later, TSM had the gold lead when they won the game. <laughs> oh, so man. they basically is that blew... the biggest throw of the year? Like, am I forgetting a, another like huge griefery of a game? Was that the biggest throw? Um, it would have been the Golden Guardians won against TSM if TSM actually won that game, but they, what they didn't. So yes, this was probably the biggest throw in terms of gold lead wise, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a disaster. Um, with that said, like overall, pretty good weekend from IMT. Let, let's not forget just how trash this team was looking in lock-in. And even in week one, it was just like, oh no, like this team looks like they're absolute disaster. I started having the doubts that they could not be like another CLG or TSM. I thought they were towards they were going to end up as this year's CLG. And a lot of people had speculated that they were this year's CLG being like the lineup that is veterans and just not performing sitting at the bottom of the of the standings. But they they looked pretty good. And Zerse Volibear looked great as well. Like that guy that guy was out pressuring um Inspired. Inspired was playing was that the I think that was the game Inspired was on Jarvan. He's mm -hmm. playing Volibear and he's pressuring more than with the Volibear than Inspired is on the Jarvan. Yeah, um, yeah. That's kind of what we were hoping to see before before even lock-in started. We came into the season being like, it's okay, they still got Zerse. Zerse was great for them last year. We expect to see him have a large impact on the map. Starting to see it now. And that, that's a really good sign for Immortal. Um, I mean, obviously the big thing 
to kind of refer to in that game was the whole like Corona break situation. And do you hold on a sec? Do you have anything else to say about IMT, or do you want to talk EG now? Because if we can get into the EG stuff, we can get into the Chrono break stuff. Uh, yeah. Last thoughts on IMT is they're still immortals. They beat. They can beat anyone, but lose to anyone. Like it, and that in nature, in like. That makes me not so confident about this team, despite them looking good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they looked great this weekend. Sure, it ended up as a one-and-one one because, like, they hardcore threw that game against TSM. But, like, going in, like going forward, it's just like, well, like, what's going to happen now when they have, like, big gold leads in this? Like, it feels like now there's a team, like, they're going to have an AK gold lead. And then, like, at the first sign of, like, any resistance from the enemy team or, like, one mistake, you're going to be like, oh, my God, here we go again. Like, it's the, oh, shit, here we go again meme. Like, Yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let's get into EG and let's, let's start off with the Chrono Break thing because that was a really interesting thing for me, honestly. Uh, this was still the game with them and, and IMT. Now, I went back and forth on this. At first, I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a bug. He couldn't see it. And then you and Jet both convinced me. I was like, that it wasn't actually a bug and he wasn't in the brush and that you couldn't, he just wasn't in the brush and that's why he couldn't see the, the thing, the animation. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. And then I go back and look at the original play and I could definitely see like that he is in the brush when the start of the Oriana alt animation goes off. And so it was just so back and forth. Now, one thing I will say, is, first of all, I hate freaking pauses. They are a huge buzzkill. But I actually thought like if there's ever a reason to have this long of a pause, I thought this was it because it was so like this was to me hard to establish whether it was a bug or not. It took me a while to figure it out. And so I was actually kind of surprised that this was like a normal chrono break time if you will like it was still like 30 minutes which is a long time but that's normally what a chrono break is isn't it here's the thing though and i guess if i have to throw some bean soup i'm gonna throw it the lcs broadcast on this one because okay i totally agree with you like well i guess you said that you thought it was a bug until both myself and jet convinced you otherwise until you watched it back in real time and yeah. Right off the bat, I was like, oh, this is not a bug. Like, you, you aren't supposed to see animations when you're not in the bush. But mm -hmm. when they were attempting to explain the quote-unquote bug and what had happened, they were only showing Vulcan's POV yes. the whole time. And they never showed, like, the spectator client and what actually happened. Because if you did not see what happened in real time, like, right when it happened, you wouldn't have saw that it wasn't just his alt that had been used in the bush. It was his W, then his alt. So, Because the entire time I was like, well, that's how the mechanic works. Like, you throw the ball in the bush. If you're not standing in the bush when the alt is pressed, you're not going to see it because you cannot see animations. Um, you cannot see animations from uh, champions or abilities that are in a bush. So I was like, why the hell is it taking so long? Like, what's going on? But like you said, when you went back and watched it in real time, you saw that PoE press W before his alt, Vulcan then walks back into the bush, doesn't see the ball, and only sees the alt like animation at the last second. So it was just like, it felt like it was so up in the air until it wasn't. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I just watched it back. Like, it's obviously a bug. So it was just like, if the LCS just would have shown the spectator yeah. POV once for the 50 times that they showed only Vulcan's POV, <laughs> yeah, true. I would have been like, oh, okay, thank you. Let's go. Let's move on now. But it's like they didn't. So Jesus. you make a really good point. You make a really good point. Like bean soup for the people doing the replays, whoever's in charge of that. But big time pop off award for the people that instantly recognize and got the call right, if you will. Right now. Uh, because it should have been chrono break. Like there, mm -hmm. there was, yeah. it was definitely deserving of a chrono break. Now, 
some of the issue that Vulcan and PoE went back and forth with on Twitter was like, I, I believe PoE wasn't happy with the time that it was reset to. The only yeah. thing is for me is like, I didn't see him say what time he would have liked it reset to. And like, that was a really weird scenario because no matter what, like there's just some unfairness somewhere for sure. And to me, it actually, I, I think it slightly, very slightly benefited Immortals that it was redone um, because then you ended up seeing uh, Wait, Revenge. Wait, you really? Of... thought it benefited Immortals more than it benefited EG? Very slightly, very slightly. Because I don't, so let me, let me explain why. So the uh, Vulcan dying would not have happened, I don't think, without the bug. I think I, I'm with Azale where he said, like, he would have flashed it. I agree he would have flashed it. So he probably lives there. Um, but then the Gragas definitely dies. So to me, what should have happened is it would have been a Gragas dying on a bad TP. And then it would have been Revenge dying um, and Jojo Pyun living. The only difference was Jojo Pyun died instead of Gragas. But the kill went on to Revenge on the Graves in the side lane rather than the Trundle for the jungler for Immortals. There was I don't no think Trundle the Baron... in that game. Was you mean it, Volibear? Was it not Trun Volibear, yes, sorry. Rather than Volibear. So to me, I don't think the Baron gets done no matter what. I don't think the I don't think anyone finishes the Baron. Um and there was still the TP spent, I believe. And so pretty much everything I think was the same, minus where the kills were allocated. And so hmm. that's why I think for me it was slightly in the favor of Immortals. You have a different opinion? Well, I think it was definitely EG favored because what Power of Evil was saying on Twitter um, after the game was saying that, well, now that you're pausing this game time once again, you know, he was saying like, well, EG now has the knowledge that Immortals was doing Baron. It's at a specific HP or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Vulcan now, Vulcan knows that he doesn't have vision walking into that area of the map and he can't walk in there, but like he realizes now that like nobody's actually in there and like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have vision yeah. in that area of the map, and he's blind face-checking it and dies to the Oriana ball. I'm sure he might flash it if the bug doesn't occur. But then also, like, both Impact and Jojo Pune should be easily be able to kill Revenge in the sideline and then both teleport back up there. So I think it should have been EG favored because EG, should get, EG, EG should get that kill on the sideline. Vulcan should know he can't walk in there, which does not result in the Thresh dying. Impact shouldn't TP up like that because he's TPing into a bunch of people. He, he does a much safer TP. So it obviously is EG favored, but like they kind of just make the mistake of probably getting a little too hyphy and like feeling revenge super, super fast that they can get up to their, they can get up top as fast as possible. And then revenge kind of like outplays it a little bit, kills Jojo before the TP can go down. And it still kind of like ends up being a neutral state. But I think more often than not, like that's definitely going to favor EG more than it did Immortals, that remake. So. I no, definitely you make think a good that, point, though. You I definitely make a good think point that distinguishing. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just think that a chrono break should have occurred. Yes, that's obvious. But it definitely it should have been like rewound like another twenty seconds or something to where like the champions little or maybe not even twenty seconds, like five or ten seconds, where like Impact and JoJo aren't standing almost on top of Revenge when the when the unpause happens. Yeah, but then also then Revenge knows that he's getting ganked. He didn't know that Corky was coming after him in the bot lane at first, right? So like that's where it's hard to say there. But the the distinguishing thing that you that you pointed out that I I didn't exactly mention or explain very well is like I'm saying that it was more worth for IMT with the results that ended up happening 
Yeah, like, I, what I ended was, up happening was... was a better case scenario for Immortals. But you're making the point that the situation that they are put in is more advantageous to EG. Yeah, yeah. And there, that's something that I think is really important to distinguish because I did not do a good job of that myself. Um, but anyways, yeah. And that's the thing is with a chrono break like that, it is so difficult to find the spot of where it would be fair to replay the game. Ultimately, I think they did a pretty good job considering I don't think there is a fair spot to put the game at that point. It was a really, really weird uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. Like, it was just a whole, it was just a weird situation. As far as gameplay goes, uh, let's talk about, is this doomed for EG? What's, what's going on? Are you, are, should they be in panic mode? What's wrong with them, JNT? Well, they're definitely lacking a little bit in the mid and jungle comparative, what am I saying? In comparison to what we saw in Lock-In. Uh, because, and Lock-In, I mean, Inspired looked like the best player for the majority of Lock-In up until the finals, where it was probably like Bupo, when like Bupo finally came back in and was playing a bunch of games. Um, and Jojo Pion was pretty much just like smurfing on everybody uh, in the entirety of Lock-In, except for Bjergsen. And one thing I really didn't like in that first game on Saturday was like, I don't, again, don't remember who was casting, but they dubbed like, oh my god, TL versus EG is the new rivalry. And I was like, why are we calling this a rivalry when... These, these teams have only played one time. It was the best of five in the lock-in final where TL destroyed them 3-0. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't want to go on too it far of a Kobe, tangent. first of all. Yeah, I, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent, but I do think that rivalries are like a little... Um, they're a little... They're few and far between in the LCS nowadays. That's yeah, sure. but I mean, like people try to create rivalries just to say that it's a rivalry when it's not. And like Rivalries aren't very organic nowadays, it feels like, in League. Um, so here's what I'll say. I, I agree with you that I don't think it's a rivalry, but I will still go to bet uh, just to give the argument from Kobe's side of things because I like Kobe. Um, <laughs> they did play more than just the three games in lock-in. They played one before that in round robin. Um, oh, okay. So there's that. Um, and, and they beat TL in that one, I'm pretty sure. Um, someone could correct me if I'm wrong. The other thing too is like the rivalry piece comes from Jojo Pyun saying like, who is this mid laner? Like, why is Bjergsen, why is this your guy's goat? Like, I thought he would be better. Yeah, but it's he's just like, got shit on four times I, now. I agree. I agree. But that's, that's where it's more of a trash talk rivalry than an actual full rivalry. Do I think it's a rivalry? No, I don't. But that's where the argument comes from that you could call it a rivalry. Would I? No, I wouldn't. Um, and to your point, like, he's not really looking that good right now. He's very dis. I would actually kind of point to Abadage in a similar fashion that, like, he's just not respecting the enemy team and getting picked off, and it's just coincidence that they're both playing a lot of Corky. Um, very similar where they're just walk, like, he walks up into, like, a Nautilus and just gets hooked at the bar at Baron. I'm like, well, Jojo, like, what do you think Nautilus is going to do to you, buddy? <laughs> like, that's what he does. Um, Dying far more often than than I think you would want him to. Um, I don't think it's panic mode. I don't think there's anything necessarily like any huge problem that's wrong with EG. I still think this team's going to be good. Uh, I, I yeah, they're two and four. That's not the end of the world, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I'm on the side of not hitting the panic button mainly because like they've had the hardest strength of schedule so far based yeah. on expectations coming into the split. Like their next three games are CLG, Golden Guardians, and FlyQuest, and Despite FlyQuest, despite FlyQuest's success of being five and one, like that's still like in EG's minds, that should be a really winnable game. Yeah. And Golden Guardians and CLG aren't looking super great, and those should also be winnable games. So, if you were to tell me that EG has been playing as bad as they have been recently, but 
can end up sitting at five and four or four and five at the end of the first round robin like i'd be okay with that i think the free one the free win is against clg i don't think golden guardians or FlyQuest are that free of wins. well i just mean um, from like eg's perspective like yeah they should view yeah. them as like these should be like games that we win yeah, no, I, I wasn't even referring to what you were saying about them. I'm just thinking my thoughts specifically is like them going up against Golden Guardians. I can see that going either way. And same thing with FlyQuest um, because Golden Guardians and FlyQuest, I have to admit, have both surprised me a lot this year. They are both better than I anticipated and by a significant margin as well. Um, so the thing is, I guess what I'm saying is if EG does pick up wins against FlyQuest and Golden Guardians or either one of them, I think that's still a pretty good sign in itself. Like that is yeah. that is not a free win like I would have thought it would be if you were to ask me three weeks ago, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, who's next? Where, where are DLG. we? LG. Last but oh. not least. Uh, they got a win. They are not 06. Yeah. Um... Okay, let's talk about the bot wave thing first, or the, the bot lane first, because they timed the waves really well with the Sivir and the Karma to dive, and a lot of people will say that's cheese, um, because you don't really see a lot of Sivir or anything like that, but like, that is totally a viable strat, and a game plan that they stuck to, and they, well, they kind of popped off with it, to be quite honest. Like, it was nice. This was the first time we saw CLG look coordinated in something, first of all, and they actually pulled off what I would say was a nice play. Um, so finally able to find something to give CLG credit for, um, even though they got absolutely smoked by TL. <laughs> yeah, they got absolutely destroyed by Team Liquid, but like in the Cloud9 game, like you got to give props to CLG. Like a lot of people kind of are like using it as a cop-out game for Cloud9. Like, oh, like they just got, LS had just been released. Like, oh, whatever. Losing to CLG is not that big of a deal, but like, dude, like CLG played it well. Like they, as you mm -hmm. said, they coordinated their waves, they coordinated their waves really well. Palafox was good on his, uh, you know, alt timings. When he hit level six, he was like, he was six, shove that wave, go bot, alting bot. Like, it was just a really clean game. The only, I don't even say it was like a glaring hole, but like, yeah, Jenkins was losing in the side lane 1v1 to Summit, but like, you know, he wasn't getting smashed. He was just gracefully losing the lane. And that was pretty much all he needed to do with his bot lane winning that side of the map so hard. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I don't view that as like a oh Cloud9 having a bad game and it's like so it's okay. It's just like no, CLG just played really well. Yeah, and and I think you you make a really good point there about the top lane specifically. If you're winning that hard in the bot lane, you just chill and play safe in the top lane. That's all you need to do is not run it down because you should be able to rely on your team. What was it like a four zero rise or something like that? Yeah, rise was fed out of his ass. You should be able to rely on that. So this is a time where it's like, know how to be carried. That's what that was to me. Does does top lane look different if Ryze isn't 4-0? Is Jenkins playing to contest the wave a little bit more? Probably. We'll never know, right? Hard to say. But if if the argument is, or if Jenkins is thinking, I don't want to do anything in lane that's too crazy just because we're winning so hard on the other end of the map, I don't have a problem with that when you are that far ahead. Like, that is significantly far ahead. And the other thing, too, is like, we mentioned that the, the weakness of Cloud9 that we've seen is their laning phase in the bot lane. And so maybe CLG identified that as well and said, look, against this team specifically, we want to run Sivir Karma. We can always shove whenever we want to. And we have some really nice dive tools by being able to use the Rise ulti to get over there and the Hecarim. And they, they've just pulled that off perfect. So yep. really got to give props to them there. 
against the TL against TL, it's like well they got one v nine by Core DJ. Like it's, I it don't happens, even bro. fault them. Yeah, happens, I don't even bro. fault them. They got hard stomped in the bot lane, and uh, they're not the first, not the last to be hard stomped by TL's bot lane. Um, I think they are going. This this is going to be the best bot lane in the league, honestly. TL. So what what can you say? I, I don't have anything to add there. Yep. Um. Hey, dude, it's a win. Like CLG, like. They're tied for last with TSM in the standings, yeah. and they only have one win. But like I said, in my eyes, TSM still doesn't have a win. So good on CLG. They are not last place in my eyes. <laughs> and well, so we mentioned we last take those. week that we mentioned the possibility of this week coming up that it would maybe be the 0-6 teams facing off against each other in the last place CLG TSM. Instead, it'll just be one and five. They're still both in last place. They're, yeah. They both both one and five. The the rivalry is alive, if you will. Oh God, um, no! Please stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, let's bring it back, man. Okay. Um, let's move on, right? Yep. Go for it. Well, with uh, obviously we ran on all the teams. We got some teams that are popping off, like FlyQuest five and one. We got some lackluster teams. Uh, EG two and four. Dig O two. They're three and three now. So this begs the question. Everyone always likes to talk about. There's the top half of the league. There's the gap. There's the bottom half of the league. What's the call here? Like, is it still? Does it happen? Is it? Is it there right now? Is it prevalent? Is yeah. there that huge gap between five and six? Because, and that's what the story was coming into the season. Most people said there's always the top five and there's the bottom five. And I think so far this season we've seen that that's just not the case. Will it be the case by the end of split? Maybe, but for now, definitely not. Like I could see literally, it's just CLG and TSM are on the outside. Pretty much everyone else is in the pool. I could, to I guess, I could see TL being outside of it. Anywhere from two to eight. I see as being very competitive right now, and any team could beat any other team. I don't know the last time that we've seen the eighth place team, which in this case is EG, I believe. EG and EG I. EG or Immortals, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's as I, I don't think a normal season would have this much of a chance of the eighth best team or eighth place team being able to take a game off the second place team. Um, and I guess we kind of saw that with Immortals beating 100 Thieves, right? So um, that's where I feel like this whole top five and bottom five it's completely dissolved away, at least in the first half of the split so far. And we're kind of seeing like this really, really competitive two through eight, um, which I think is great for the league. Yeah, it really only makes for more interesting storylines and, and gameplay throughout the season because like we'll have seasons of LCS where you'll see a team like a Cloud9, like a TL, like a TSM that just start hot and end hot. And everything in between is like the same the whole way. Like I, I did a little bit of research here. I went back and looked at the last three full years. So that means six splits. Okay. And, and only two of those six splits was there a lot of fluctuation in the standings throughout the entire split. The only two to point out uh, was spring of 2020 and summer of 2020. And what I mean by that is I looked at the standings in the middle of the season and at the end of the season. And there was a lot of fluctuation in uh, 2020 spring and a little bit in 2020 summer. So I guess people will remember that 2020 uh, spring, that was the season that TL was in like ninth place. Uh, that was like this, the, yeah. in between that split with this, where they changed from double up to tactical. And that was also the season you know, where Cloud9 went 17 and one. But in the middle right there, like there was from second to eighth place, as we're kind of just talking about right now, second place, the record was 10 and eight. Eighth place, the record was okay. eight and ten, and there was a bunch of ten and eight teams, a bunch of eight and ten teams, and TSM was in the middle at nine and nine. But my point is, is 
we in these seasons where we do see a lot of fluctuation in the standings these are some of the most exciting seasons because you see those later weeks become really really important for playoff seeding and even playoff like pushes because you'll have a team like team liquid who was dead last or was like last you know by the end of it ninth place seven and eleven but they were one game out of from making playoffs so like it feels like these exciting like regular season like it just makes for like weeks eight week nine they're just super hype I'm glad you bring up the specifically the 2020 spring when C9 was 17 and one and the rest of the team. Cause I kind of forgot all about that. And so my thoughts yeah, like, were like, when was the last time an eighth place team was able to take one off second? Well, it wasn't actually that long ago. And so maybe this idea that the top five and bottom five shouldn't exist if it does happen on more than one occasion. Um, maybe I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go any I, farther back because I mean, obviously in the early LCS days, like that's going to be super prevalent because it was yeah. just cloud nine CLG TSM and, uh, her slash team liquid running the whole show. Um, but I mean, in since franchising, basically like sure, there's been a lot of boring regular seasons where the top teams just dominate, but like in the ones where the top teams don't just dominate and there's a lot of fluctuation in the middle of the pack, like it makes for really exciting seasons. Yeah, it definitely does. And we'll have to see how that stuff changes as, the season goes on. Now, let's get into predictions for this upcoming Super Week, which will also, by the way, have co-streams back, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, the thing about the co-streams is, like, there's there have been already so many moments so far in the season where, like, I wish the co-streams were happening because, like, I wanted to see, like, Doublelift, Medios, and Sneaky's, like, real-time reaction to them throwing up that shit on the broadcast of, like, you know... The tweet of like saying Cloudine's released LS. Like I wanted to know what like their yeah. thoughts were like right then and there. It um, would have been very interesting to see. So I kind of just am hoping that we just get spicy games, just because since we're only getting the co streams for this once, this one time during the regular season. Hopefully, it's not a bunch of snoozer games. The only thing is like, is LS gonna be co streaming? Because I, don't I, know, I really want to watch Media Sneaky Double Lift, but like, this is the one time that I really want to watch the LS one. No, <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah, anyway. All right. Okay, let's we'll get through these games. There's lots of them. So yeah. Cloud9 versus Dignitas on Friday. D9. Yeah, Friday games. Uh, hmm. Okay, yeah, I'll go Cloud9. Uh, Golden Guardians TL. TL. Uh, Team Liquid. ESM 100 Thieves. Yeah, or, sorry, 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves, yep. Yeah. Uh, CLG versus Immortals. Immortals? Man. It's close. I know. I know everything's the same so far. Okay. But I can't predict CLG, so I gotta go Immortals. Okay. You think it's that close, eh? It's close, when, dude. Like when did you get faith in CLG? When when that dude, I what did I it's miss? It's not about the faith in CLG. It's the fact that Immortals can lose to any team. Okay. That's so fair. they go out they go out and they, they should have had a two a weekend and they're probably gonna drop a dookie to CLG. Although okay. I'll pick Immortals still. But EG versus FlyQuest. I want to hear your prediction first. This is tough. Okay, this is like the this is the classic good versus evil. I always like when this matchup happened, even though that kind of fell off. Um, I am gonna go FlyQuest. I'm going more with my heart here. I, I honestly, I actually really like EG as well, but I'm just so happy with the way FlyQuest has looked lately, and their games have been so fun. Uh, so I'm going FlyQuest. I'm gonna go EG because I think this past weekend will be their sort of kick in the ass moment where they kind of turn it up and they make that run and they get back to being a top three team because I think this team is a top three team right now. Like not right okay. now, sorry, but like by the end of it, I'm thinking this by team will be top three. End of the year or end, end of the, the end, end of the split. Okay. 
Um, how much of it is you just wanted to take whatever team I wasn't taking so you could try to catch up in the standing? No, but I just wanted to hear you go first. I was going to take okay, you regardless. Okay, I just was wondering why you wanted me to go first with no. that one specifically. That's all. Okay, Saturday, first game is Dignitas versus Team Liquid. I think we're both going TL. Yes. Uh, okay. Then TSM versus CLG, the El Clasico. Oh, shit. Here's the thing. I'll go first on this one. I know. I just said prior I will never pick CLG. However... I said last week that I think CLG is better than TSM, regardless of the, the performances from this past weekend. I said when they were both 0-4, said if I had to pick a team, I will pick CLG. I'm picking CLG. I don't think CLG is better than TSM still. It sounds like I'm still sipping on uh, some copium Kool-Aid. The reason why I'm going to still take CLG is because I don't want to see TSM run back the roaming top. I, I don't think, I think what they've been getting out of it is best case scenario. And I don't think that's going to happen on the regular. And until they stop playing that shit, I can't take them. I, Cause I don't think it's that great of a, are they the only ones still running it? Were they the only ones that ran it this weekend? I don't know. Wait, sir, you're picking CLG. Yeah. Damn. I don't know if Hooney's going to be on Lulu still. I thought that was going to be like my, my moment where I picked CLG and I was right. But now you'll also be right, so it's not as cool. Uh, next up, maybe the best or most important game of the week. 100 Thieves versus Cloud9. Um, I think even regardless of the LS situation, I think I would probably still roll with 100 Thieves just because we've been talking about it like bot lane is a problem for Cloud9, and bot lane is one of 100 Thieves' greatest strengths. While they might not be playing as well as they did last year, Epi and Huhi are really good in lane, like really good. Mm -hmm. I'm going like 100 really teams as good. well. I think I just think they're the better team. Yeah. Um. Who knows? Like maybe I'll fucking be a little bitch and switch up my my, my picks on like the game day. But mm -hmm. I'm going with 100 teams right now. But I'm I'm still pretty confident in that pick. Like I just I don't really have a lot of faith in Berserker and Winsome. Sadly, more Winsome than Berserker. I guess if I had to pick a, a problem out of the two, I, I'd go with Winsome. Uh, and I haven't been really impressed by him. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, FlyQuest and Immortals. I'm gonna go FlyQuest. Let's fucking go FlyQuest. I will go FlyQuest as well. But like I said, would not be surprised at all if IMT drops a Dookie against CLG, but then somehow beats FlyQuest. But FlyQuest still. EG versus Golden Guardians. I haven't made up my mind on this one. Well, I'll make up my mind. EG. Hmm. I'll go Golden Guardians. I'll give you a chance to gain a game. A game well, on don't me. do that now. That that's some bullshit. Too. Pick who you're well, gonna pick know. and I, say honestly, with your chest. I, I I think they're both good teams. Like I don't think EG's that bad of a team, and I, are, I think that people are still sleeping on Golden Guardians, even though they're just three and three. You I love have, their early games. You have now been banned from using that as an excuse. If I caught up a game, regardless, like you can't say, oh well. We're tied now because I pick. I wanted to be cool and pick Golden Guardians over EG. You can't say that. No. Now. Okay. 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 I see why you're upset now. I I'm gonna go with Golden Guardians anyways. Okay. On Sunday, uh, we have Cloud Nine versus FlyQuest. Oh god. I'm picking Cloud man. Nine, so I just want to see you like. I want to see you rack your brain right here. There are times where I change my mind over the weekend, but I usually try not to. I, I haven't done it at all this year. Um, this is going to be one of those times, so you're going to wait till Sunday? I, I want it, like, we're going to get two games of information Friday, Saturday, right? Of both of these teams. Um, I think I'm going to go FlyQuest, though. I think I'm actually going to go FlyQuest just because I want to believe. I want to believe that this team, do I have, I think I got them going 3-0 right now. Yep. Uh, FlyQuest, 8-1, I would fucking love to see it. 
uh, FlyQuest. Uh, next up, Steel G versus EG. Speaking of 3-0s, I got EG. They're going 3-0. EG. Yeah, yeah. EG for me. Uh, next up, TL versus TSM. Yeah, this one. It's not close. Yeah, this one is not going to be a close game. I, I'm predicting this one. Where I'm going for like 24 minute win, Team Liquid. Okay. Uh, next up, Immortals versus Golden Guardians. Mm, this is actually interesting. I don't know who I'm going to pick. I am going with Golden Guardians. I think this team is good. Uh, I don't care if they take a long time to close out games as long as they fucking close them out. And Golden Guardian. Oh, man. I am going to pick Immortals. Okay. A any reason or just because? I don't know. It's close. Okay. I, I guess uh, I have a little bit more faith in their mid-jungle than I do the Golden Guardians mid -jungle. I don't know. Maybe actually, is that even correct? Hold up. Oh. Actually, I have to pick Golden Guardians because I've just completely <laughs> switched my argument because, like, do I think that Power Weevil and Xerxes are better than a Blaze Olive and Prize Soccer? I don't think so, actually. And I would rather have Lickers than Revenged. And I would rather have I GG's bot lane than Immortals bot lane. So, Golden Guardians, actually. GGS. But yes, Golden Guardians over IMT. And then we got Dignitas and 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. Uh, 100 Thieves. Yeah, so do, yeah, I yeah. think I have Dig going 0-3 now. Really? Aish. Did I, I don't remember who I took out yeah, of C9 no, or Dignitas. Yeah, no. you, you took C9, but you... Debated oh, for no. a bit. Hold on, Dignitas. It's going to be a rough weekend. I hope I'm wrong. Anyways, 100 Thieves, and so that'll do it for the prediction. Alrighty. Um, we got some quick news, a lot of it. I'll get through it quickly. But firstly, and maybe most importantly to LCS, because we talk about the LCS here, um, they hired their new commissioner. This has been uh, something that has been a glaring hole for, I want to say, like the last six, five or six months when like they were like, at the end of the season, they were like, oh, Chris Greeley's stepping down. And it was like, well, they haven't filled the commissioner role yet, so what's going on there? It, it took it. them so long, eh, to yeah. find... Her to name find is Jackie Felling. She previously worked on the Call of Duty League, the Overwatch League, and professional, like, Gears of War or something. Um, so initially, when this got announced, there was actually a lot of Twitter <laughs> backlash because everyone was like, oh, wow, she was involved in the COD League, which failed, the Overwatch League, which failed, and... Gears of War, and I mean, I know what Gears of War is, but have I ever seen like <laughs> Gears of War? Like, no, like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going into this thing with like no opinions. Like, I hope she does well, but like, I'm not like gonna put a bunch of like negative pressure on her right from the get go. Like, it feels like a lot so, of people are doing. Hold on. So, here's what I'll say about it. I, I, pretty much everything you said is what I thought. I was like, oh shit, like COD and. Overwatch League? I don't know, man. Here's what I'll say. Even though I, I've heard things that those leagues were not run very great, I will also say that I just think those games fucking suck, and so it's hard to make an eSport around games that suck. I'm sorry, I'm probably offending a lot of people. I don't like those games at all. And so I'm going to just give her a pass, like, eh, it's hard to run an eSport for a game that sucks. So she's got a good game now. She's got the League of Legends blood in her now, and uh, hopefully... I saw she did an AMA, which is kind of cool. Like. I, Look, an AMA does not mean you're a great commissioner right away, but it does show. Was it an AMA? Least... I thought it was more of a like, give us your feedback. Did you also do I an, AMA? It was an AMA? I think it was no, an AMA. I don't remember seeing that, so I know I don't what know. Was, if you... I was reading something today. Was it an AMA? I don't know what I was I think, reading. Now. I think you were reading the please give us feedback. It was like if there's anything you would like to see added or removed from I, LCS, I mean... it was like. 
that to me honestly that's i mean that's still like a good sign from a commissioner regardless oh, it is. So that it's you want good. you want feedback yeah maybe it wasn't an ama anyway regardless you're getting feedback for how to do your job better you're listening to the people that um consume your product which is a a, a good start let's put it that way i'll be interested to see um yeah i'll be interested to see where that goes uh quick i just read in the live chat uh, thoughts on PoE Vulcan Twitter War? We talked about it a little bit, so the the VOD will be up on YouTube in just a little bit. I I wouldn't say it was like a big Twitter war. I just think it was like an, a disagreement necessarily. Um, but if you wanted to hear our thoughts on that, we talked about it like I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes ago. I'm not really sure. The VOD will be up in a few hours. Uh, what's next, Jinter? Uh, some LEC news. We normally do a bit of LEC talk, but we're not going to do that because we're running long. Uh, the LEC is reverting their all pro voting back to media and riot only and removing the whole community voting from it, which is honestly a good thing because as much as people want to meme on the all pro votings, uh, whether it's LEC, LCS, or anywhere else, because they do provide like the media outlets the chance to vote, and a lot of those votes are usually like not necessarily accurate with the majority of the community believes. In the LEC, though, it was a big problem that they had the community voting because pretty much it was always all G2 players. Even when G2 wasn't playing as well as they were back in the day, like season 11, like G2 wasn't the best team, clearly, because Rogan Mad Lions were like better than them and Fnatic was like not too far behind. It was still all like G2 players who were on like first and second all pro teams. So it's it's good that they're getting rid of that. So it's not as fucking, it's not as huge of a meme. Pretty much any league that that would be in would be a bad idea. Like all the 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 fan favorites are like everything would be heavily weighted towards the fan favorites. Whether it's LCS, you would see a bunch of TSM, C9, TL players just get in. And same thing if it was LCK. Like oh, guess what? Faker's going no matter how he plays. Like that kind of stuff. Faker um, always so, plays good. Yeah, but you get my point. Speaking of Faker, uh, Faker and Deft played their one thousandth competitive game. This past week in the LCK, Deft actually did it one day before Faker did. Um, and also, as a little add-on to that, when T1 played their last game of their last series this week against Nongshim, uh, Faker became the first player to play 700 games in the LCK. And also, just to add on that, he has a 66% win rate, which is pretty nuts. That is pretty insane. To play yeah. that many games and win two out of every three games you play... What can you say? He's the GOAT. He's pretty fucking good. Next up, uh, Uzi is back in the LPL and played his first game since 2019. Now, I did not catch this game, JNT. Did you? I watched uh, the highlights of it. I think I was watching... I don't remember who I was... Oh, Doublelift was re-watching those games on his stream at one point, and I was just, like, watching. Uh. And uh, he's on BLG now, for those who don't know. He's on Billy Billy. He's actually Doggo's sub. Doggo, for those who don't know, was PSG Talon's former AD carry who really popped off in MSI and Worlds. He's um, a beast. But they, ended, they lost game one, so Uzi got subbed in for games two and three. They won game two, lost game three. They went one and one in the series. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of Uzi in the BLG starting lineup because I heard about this. I think it was on Kadrill's stream or something that Uzi never plays before Lunar New Year? Yeah, I saw that too. I never knew that was a thing. Yes, I'm getting... I'm going to address this in the live chat Beyond real quick. Gaming. Yes, he was on Beyond Gaming. I said PSG because he got loaned to them during MSI. You are correct. Thank you for that. Um, But yeah, I just I remember hearing that on Cadrill's stream. I was like, 
is that really the case? Like Uzi never plays before Lunar New Year? And I was like going back to think about it because, yeah, it feels like a lot of the times RNG is always playing with the sub ADC for the first like half of spring split. And I went back and like looked at match histories and stuff like And it is true. Like he doesn't play at the beginning of the split. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. what's next? Uh, last up in our little quick news, some kind of meme news, but relevant because it's NA. T1, not T1, not SKT T1, T1, the streamer, Tyler won. Uh, he finally finished his support to Challenger. Therefore, he's now completed Challenger in all five roles. He it got a little shout a out. Time, right? Yeah, he got he got a little shout out from uh, like the the official league Twitter. Like tweeted him out saying like, I just always think it's funny that this guy was like the role model for like bad league players back in the day. <laughs> and like ever since he got unbanned, they've been constantly promoting him. I just yeah, think it's for hilarious. Toxic league players, not bad league players. For toxic, yeah, toxic. players. Yeah, uh, kind of funny though. But yeah, I mean that's a cool accomplishment. Let's be honest; like that's pretty sweet. Um, but the support yeah, he did it in like the no. lowest number of games or something. Oh, did he? Yeah. Do you know what's next on his uh, list of to do? Uh, I don't know actually. Do I don't know if he said that or anything like that. Um, I just it's always weird because like that's been his thing for like the last two years. Like he'll do a role, then do the next role. But now he's at a role, so maybe he'll like. Go back to ADC now. Yeah. Uh, and now and, last uh, up, the new champion, Renata Glask, is I think going to be enabled next weekend. If I'm not mistaken. Maybe it'll be the week after because they usually delay champions one week post changing the patch. So it's either going to be next week or the week after. I think it's probably going to be the week after, I guess. If I remember, like, because he did the same thing with Zeri. Um... I don't know. The champion doesn't look very good from what I've seen playing with and against it. Everyone always says that though, and then like the champions end up being good. No, I don't like know, so I don't know enough about the champion to have an opinion. I do know the champion looks really cool. Like it does I look cool, just, yeah. I, 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 it's been a couple of weeks since I watched like the champion spotlight or whatever. That champion looks sweet. Like I don't know what the hell that thing is. What what is, or what is that thing? You, you know you know what I'm talking about or Did weapon, I, whatever I that thing is. I didn't realize cool. she was a ranged champion until I watched the champion spotlight. Because anytime like they'd shown like a promo of her or like a visual, like it looked like to me that thing looked like a mace. And I was like, oh, she's just holding the mace and she's gonna hit people with it. And but no, she's a ranged champion. Um, but yeah, again, like maybe it's just because it's so early on and people don't really know what they're doing, they know what they're building, whatever. But I don't know. It just seems quite lackluster. I don't know. But again, like I said, maybe like she's just going to hit 56% win rate or something in like the next two weeks. Everyone always thinks the new champions are trash. And dude, I thought, Zeri, I thought Zeri was broken when she got released. Like, everyone, like dude, like... You were least. ahead of the curve, eh? You were ahead of everyone else. But again, maybe... Peasants. I mean, yeah, sure. But, like, I don't know. I'm going to go out and, on a limb here and say this champion's not actually that good, so... Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll hold you to Check that. Back okay. in. Last thing I added is they announced MSI is in South Korea this year. They haven't announced the cities yet, but I think it's pretty cool that MSI is going back to Korea, so, yeah. So I would... Unknown, but that's all, that's all we know for now. I would assume it's probably safe to say that they'll probably hold it at the, like, the LOL Park thing where they hold the LCK for the group stage for the plan stage whatever they do there and then they'll probably do some like actual like locations and cities for like semifinals and finals yeah we'll see i mean i don't know how the hell they're doing with COVID over there i imagine they have to be doing pretty good with it or they wouldn't have announced going there right so well come to think of it I'm, i wonder do they i think they have fans back in the lull park arena 
I'm not. I'm pretty sure. I haven't We're, watched a lot hey, of LCK, but I think they I do. I think it was LCK that I was watching, and I'm pretty sure they have fans back there, but they weren't allowed to yell or something. Like I, I, I was watching a game, so I was watching. Um, it was obviously a Nongshim game. They're pretty much the only team that I've been watching their Nongshim game. Nongshim's not doing so hot, aren't they? I like... know, I know. BDD was out for a while. Copium. <laughs> okay, anyways. Muhammad Life like, fan, I can't talk. The crowd wasn't allowed to cheer or something. I was like, what? Like, are they kidding? Are they? Jo I thought they were joking at first because that sounds like something that's hella troll. And then they weren't allowed. Now, that was also like three weeks ago. So I don't know if things have changed. Maybe like yelling the particle. <laughs> I don't know, man. What? I don't know. It was it was really weird. Mm. It was really really weird. But anyways, uh, BDD will come back and start. I mean, he's already back. I think he'll start to pop off again. Copium, everything's gonna be fine. Dude, LCK is actually kind of exciting. Like, I haven't been watching the games per se, but I've been looking at like the post match threads and reading a lot about it on like Reddit and Twitter. And like, DRX was like zero and four. Now they're six and four. And Damwon was like five and one. And now they're six and four. And T1's, T1's ten and zero, obviously. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, Faker's cool. the goat, dude. Fuck a showmaker. Faker's so okay. good. Anyways, uh, this episode's gone on for quite some time, so I yeah. think we should close it out here. We knew this was going to be a long episode. Yep. Uh, we thank you guys all for sticking with us, especially a lot of people in the live chat have been around for quite some time. Uh, pretty much the whole episode. Shout out to you guys being active in the chat, and shout out to our new viewers. We hope you guys enjoy this stuff, and uh, we're going to keep pumping out episodes every week, so uh, stay tuned for those. This has been episode 74 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. We'll see you next week.